What's up, Maxi? What's up? How are you? I'm good. I'm just waiting for you to show the boat. Yeah, I know you want to show it. I, I'm wanna... not because it's too big. It's too big. Won't fit on the screen. <laughs> no, but we'll show a picture of it in a minute. We'll talk about that and more as we catch up. Uh, but we got a lot to talk about today. So I think we just drop this intro and get on with it. What do you think? Yep, man. Nitro is the glory, but E-Buggy pays the bills. Welcome to the No Name RC Podcast. Get ready for some serious bench racing. But be warned, we speak our minds, express our thoughts, and sometimes things can get a little rowdy. Hate, and he just was influenced by the hate coming from the left, the hate coming from the right. And let's get back to more club racing and less of this See what I mean? That's exactly why people call you arrogant, Max. You may not agree with everything we say, but it's definitely worth a listen. And our pick, can you stop whatever you're doing? Join your host, Lefty the Great, with co-hosts and guests as they get together <laughs> to chat our city. Hey, after that race that I watched this morning, I have to talk about it. Yes, 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 indeed. Nitro is the glory, but E-Buggy pays the bills. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 231 of the No Name RC Podcast. I'm your host, Keenan White, a.k.a. Lefty the Great. To my virtual left, the professor of everything, the arrogant one, the one that people love to hate. The great one yeah. himself, Maximus yeah. Mortimus. I've noticed, I've talked about this with some of my friends, you know, they're always like, God, it's just so annoying when you're always right. You know, <laughs> that's what they always say. You know, like it, 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 everyone just says like, hey, like, I want to get something done. I don't know how to do it. They'll just ask me because I know huh. how to do it. You know, you, you have successfully within two minutes and <laughs> 30 seconds of recording have just triggered everybody that hates you. But uh, yeah. welcome back, Maxi. I'm going to have a conversation with you about uh, some conversations I had at, at PMB about you. Uh, it's good to have you back. You had some time off. I know you've been busy with school. Obviously, I had the surprise visit to PMB, which I was super thankful for, which was great. Enjoy that. If you guys want to hear more about that, you can on the previous podcast I done with Lucas, which was really good. Uh, it was really good uh, recap with Lucas. I think Lucas will be coming on more often. Especially when he goes to races like this, he he definitely observes quite a lot. Um, yeah, let's get on with it. Thank you to all of you guys out there, the NNRC squad around the world. It's good to see you guys coming together. Uh, thank you for all the support. Excuse me, we truly can't do this without you guys. So, uh, thank you for continuing to like the YouTube. Uh, you know, hit that notification button, hit those sub buttons, liking the Facebook following us on Instagram, all that stuff. we got so much going on. 
Uh, it's, it's awesome. We can't do it without you guys. So thank you. Also, thank you to the patrons and the YouTube members of the NNRC. I have been saying this for a few weeks. I will do a Patreon pod tomorrow. Do not worry. I will do it tomorrow. Uh, I will do one. I have a lot to talk about. And that's for the patrons. So thank you for the extra support that you guys give the podcast. Uh, if you wish to be a patron or YouTube member, the links for that are in the written description of this podcast. Also, you know, we have some awesome companies on board that support the podcast. Some have been with us for many years. We'd like to thank them. Remember, showing them some love shows the podcast some love. We have links. We have affiliate links. We have coupon codes. We have all the links that you need to buy things from these companies in the written description below. They are InvisibleSpeed.net. High Tech RC, Sun Pedal USA, Sidewinder Fuel, Mayako, Beach RC, Techno RC, Clinic RC, Ignite Design RC, Bringing Gas Trucks Back, Racecraft USA, Get Pitted, Call RC, shout out to Danny Paz at WRCE, Connie Spencer in the House of RC, RCGP, and the NNRC drivers, David Ronafalk, Jared Tebow, Robert Badier, and Alex Akrak. Also, shout out to RC Haas and Ardent Imprints, as well as... Uh, Offer at rcracer.com. Uh, when you know, I'm, I'm gonna get some more of his gear. Uh, Max, also, something I wanted to talk about before we go on, which is coming up. Uh, as I told yesterday, I'm like, hey, Max, I might be traveling again next week. You know, like, already? Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I it looks like hopefully I'm going to let me find these. I've lost these already. <sighs> um, so it looks like I'm possibly going off to next week to go to the Florida RC Championships by Lance McDonald. It's going to be at Mills Pond, which ironically sold out in 30 minutes with upon opening, like literally. So that goes to show how much how good his series is, right? Uh, and then tentatively probably go up to the Florida Carpet Nats on this Sunday if if we get done in time. Go do some stuff there. Come back down to Florida. Oh, sorry, well, I'll be in Florida. I'll come back down to Hollywood where Danny lives. And basically, um, yeah, just kind of, uh, I guess, do some RC stuff, right? So kind of, here we go. Here's the poster. I want to thank Lance McDonald. Oh, why is this? So thank Lance McDonald put this together. And basically, these guys are raffling off this associated uh, RC8B4E. It's at $10 a, a ticket, uh, limited tickets. I think they're halfway there, so it's, I think it's 200 tickets. So basically, uh, we're gonna I'm going to go up there. Then I'm going to spend a week in Hollywood, uh, probably going to visit some hobby shops, doing some stuff like that I like to do, like toy hunts, because Danny was into that and all that stuff. But doing making content, going to tracks, stuff like that, well, as much as we can. And then we'll make the trip up to... Uh, Georgia up to the up to uh, I can't remember exactly where Georgia is, but to the Raybon Arena where Mark Moon is having his North Georgia shootout. It's like a it's like Wicked Weekend. It's a covered track with open sides. So Dan is doing the coverage up there, so and Lance is doing the RD. So I'm going up with them to do this, and yeah, and you know, do interviews, do walkabouts, stuff like that, and just uh, be in my RC element and being at the track. I, and then I come home for a week and then I'm off to Portugal uh, for the International Buggy Challenge, which I just saw is going to have Angaro. But we'll talk about that. We'll talk about so, yeah, lots of doors, up, opportunities opening up. I, I, it was like, I'm not going to travel as much, but it seems like it's coming 
it, it's a the opportunities are coming, so I kind of have to take them. And I'm I'm pumped, like like a little NNRC Southeast tour. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, Daddy's probably gonna be tired of me. Yeah, he's gonna be tired of my snoring because he he's had to share a room. With him. I'd have to share a room with him, but I'm like, Daddy, let's go here, let's do this, let's go, let's do this. I gotta work. So that's interesting. So if you wish to do that, uh, the you can go that the links are in my Facebook and the NNRC Facebook. If you wanna, you got a chance to win a ten dollar raffle ticket, waffle ticket. Sorry, waffle. Gotta say waffle. And uh, help help send help me go to America again and do some cool RC stuff. So looking forward to that and looking forward to upcoming travel that's coming up with that. So Max, uh, before we go on, I have to have a catch up because I have to report to you about the general consensus of you at PNB. So it's like, I, this is the best way I can explain it. I was thinking about this this morning. How could I explain this? I said we can. So I would love for to take you to one of these races, right? And then I, we can do two things that I think would garner interest and probably pay for your trip to go there. We can, you know, that meme that has that guy sitting at that chair, like with his egg on that chair in that white table with his legs crossed. And it's always like, ask me about this and is drinking a coffee. Well, we can do something like that and just be like, let's line up saying, ask the professor of everything, anything about RC. And I'm sure we would get a lot of people to that because, you know, people do like your advice. But then I think what will really get people going is like, you know, those old fashioned like dunk machines where you have to throw a baseball or softball at a target. And then the person, <laughs> you know, gets like dunked into water. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think we'd have to put some some animals or something in there to make it exciting. But I'm pretty sure that we would cover your know, complete costs completely <laughs> if we had did the dunking thing. Like I'm pretty sure we'll have yeah. a line lined up <laughs> to just dunk you as many <laughs> times as possible. Now, I, I think the only other person that would beat you and that would be JQ. Yeah. And yeah. we would have to put him in a pit with some, I don't know, non-venomous snakes that do bite you or something like that. But yeah, that's yeah. the best way I can sum up the, it's like 50, 50. It's like, it's like JCC 50, 50. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's it, people want you to race, so I I would love to see you come over to a race, and and just hang out. And I think people will be shocked at how much you help them. To be honest, and it'd be good. You, I mean, I know you're busy with school, work, yeah, all that stuff. So it's going to be difficult. But one day, one day. But definitely, um, it's like you would definitely have a lot of people asking you questions. But you think you just have yeah. a touch more people trying to dunk you in that water. Yeah, I have to say, I think it's kind of a love-hate relationship. I think it, Barry, I, I think Barry Baker is like the prime example of this. Like he always <laughs> like says he's annoyed with me, but then he like says, "I want to talk with Max." Say, hey, "How's Max doing?" You know, that's. I'm, all I'm pretty sure that he's gonna message me, like as soon yeah. as he gets to this part of the podcast. Uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, he'll be happy though. Dakota fan one PMB. He was he was good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that that was yeah. fun. I, I, to be honest, cool. now that you mentioned Dakota, uh, like he's had a very strong year in eight scale. Like he was like basically one crash away from winning DNC, mm -hmm. and then he just pretty much dominated PMB. To be honest, and uh, I don't know, did he win uh, SIC or at least he did pretty well there. <sighs> then again, in ten scale, he hasn't done as well as last year. So I don't know. That might just be a coincidence, but you know, I, I, would, I thought thought about that. 
I would have to go check and see if he yeah. won. But I think I think this has definitely been one of you know his strongest uh, openings. Oh, he's I I think that his package right now is just his package, his confidence, and I uh, mean he's just confident. I'm telling you, when you look at him at one of these races, he does not look stressed out. He just looks like I am here to race, and yeah. Yeah, I think it. I mean, one part of it, of it obviously is that Mayfield is struggling a little bit. Like, let's be honest. Yeah, he won DNC, but at PMB it was quite obvious he wasn't doing that well. Was it an illness or was it was he just like driving wise off the game? Or well, what did you not listen issue? to last week's still, podcast? I didn't listen to fully. Okay, so you okay? So you don't know what happened to Mayfield then? Oh, I mean, you mentioned that he got burned or right. like so that, something. So, so I'm, I'm surprised I haven't gotten in trouble for that, even though Lucas said it. Um, but yeah, he was definitely off at PMB. You can yeah. see he was affected. But I don't know. Uh, but I don't know if it's like if that's why he struggled so because he didn't even make a top five in any of the classes. He no. made top five in Nitro Buggy. Oh, he, he did. He okay. finished fourth. Sorry. I think. Okay. Uh, Sorry. I think, and I said this on last top week's three. podcast. I think that. Uh, what we're seeing is while well, Fenn, so I'm correct that I think his, his mom actually commented on YouTube that Fenn is 26. He's not 27. Yeah, he's 27. Yeah, so he's 26 years old, right? This guy is already a veteran, like super veteran. I think these, these I said this last week and, and I will say it again. I think these older racers, Mayfield, Tebow, these guys, they're struggling out there on, on that track. You, you've been to PNB. You got out on that back part of the track, like Yo, it's it's far away, man. And yeah, it's very having issues with that. Dark, yeah. Like depth perception is really Mm -hmm. hard, and then like the fog and uh, that that makes it really difficult. And it's like mid May, you barely can even like feel where the cars. It's when it's like yeah, when it's like a quali run after like e buggies or something, then it's easy. You can see the whole track, but Mm -hmm. definitely like. In the mains, it's it's not right. I would agree there. I would agree there. All right. Um, in other news, uh, my happy news. Who is as now everybody saw yesterday? Both. <sighs> yeah, that's that's a <laughs> smile like a kid in Christmas or a fat kid in a candy store. Like yeah. I finally got this boat. So a lot of people saw this on Facebook. As you guys know, I've gone on this rabbit hole of RC boats. So I, I have a, this is a Rico Racing 48-inch catamaran. This actually, I saw my buddy, the guy who helped me build this, I saw his one like this running, right? And I was just like, oh, wow, I want one of them. It was so good. And I actually got the Deep V version in the back, which is the yellow boat. And that's 58 inches. So anyway, this, I got this yesterday. I ordered this back in October, I think. It, it's, it took me a while. It, Took about five weeks to get done. Then it sat at my buddy's house because he had to do some work to it, like put the strut and then stuff like that. And then it sat well, like two weeks here before I got home. I had a chance to get it sent up here. But uh, yeah, this is the next project. I know I haven't even run the yellow boat yet, but I now realize that I've done some things wrong with the yellow boat that I have to fix before I run it by looking at this boat. So there's no instructions, man. <laughs> it's just like there's there's, you, there's no instructions to this it's like you just gotta 
go sit down around the campfire and get knowledge passed on to you or something like but yeah. it's all straightforward um i don't know man I, I just haven't you know this is my my hobby side of things my wife saw it she's just like i don't believe anybody said that to you <laughs> i believe you bought that i was like no, no, someone said it to me after I paid them. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, I go I through mean, that too. To be, I mean, to be honest, like if you go one bigger from there, I bet you can fit your at least one of your kids on there. So you could say like you took your kids on a boat ride. I could, you know? I could. But hopefully uh, we'll get this done and we'll get it out. I mean, we all have to have fun. And I think we've all, as husbands or significant others, have uh, had to sneak something in. Like, I didn't even, I just just like her. I want to be open about it. Let's put it on Facebook. Yeah. Let's just rip it off. Let's just rip that bandaid off. Like, no, like, oh, let's, you know, rip it off one time fast. Oh, good. All right. You know, enough about us. Uh, enough about us. Let's get on. We have some, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. We have some shout outs and all that stuff. Oh, I do have some shout outs. So let me get through those real quick. Uh, some birthdays here. Oh, where are my notes? I lost them. Uh, here we go. All right. Uh, happy birthday to Graham Hill. Got to see him at PMB. Nice dude. Uh, like one of the Colorado, all oh, those Colorado guys are really cool. I enjoy uh, talking to him. He's uh, been a great dude. Shout out to all the Colorado guys. Happy birthday to him. Happy birthday. I think yesterday or today, it's uh, yesterday, but as we're recording this, which is Wednesday, to the People's Champion, the Beachfront East Co. Ogden. I, I'm going to ask him. When we, when I see, I think it's gonna be at this. No, I know he's gonna be at that North Georgia shootout. So I'm gonna ask him what this, what's going on, why he boycotted PMB, right? I'm gonna find out. And um, shout out! I finally got to meet this gentleman. Uh, before JQ was pissing off people online, this guy was pissing off people online and challenging Roar and doing all this stuff. But he also has was one of the guys to first make 3D tracks, which was the Tilt Yard, and it still exists to his day. He was at PMB, and he's like, hey, what's up? You know me? And I was like, ah, it's Homer. So I got to meet him after, you know, many years of seeing pictures of him or seeing, you know, remember the starting grid days when he was pissed, you know, he was he was fighting with everybody. Uh, so uh, it was good to meet him at PMB. So lots of good stuff, lots of positive stuff there, man. Really enjoyed it. Um, and... Yeah, it was good to meet those people. Happy birthday to those guys. And if I missed your birthday, or if you want me to say happy birthday to somebody, please just let me know so I can put it in my notes. I have a bad habit of not putting it in my notes. Just say, hey, Lefty, somebody's birthday, put it in your notes. You know? So there we go. Yeah. And, uh, um, I have some not-so-happy shout-outs. Uh, I just read the news of uh, Craig Breen, uh, WRC driver. Uh, he He died in an accident today, I believe. Really? European yeah. guy? Yeah, an Irish driver. He drives in WRC, which is like the highest level of rallying. rallying. He's like one of the best drivers in the world. But did he die in rally? Yeah, it was a test. They were doing testing for the next uh, race of the championships. They were testing in Croatia. Really? And apparently he had hit a pole. And uh, yeah, then. Yeah, that sudden stop. Yeah. Did it, was it just him that yeah. passed away, or did his co-pilot pass away too? Yeah, his co-driver was fine, unharmed, but uh, I guess his side of the car got hit. So uh, he probably wrapped it around that pole, like right yeah. on the driver's side. Yeah, really. That's yeah, like, car racing. I'm surprised more people yeah. don't pass away in it. To be honest. Yeah, last time 
uh, a WRC driver slash co-driver died was in 2005, I believe. Like, he was oh, really? the co-driver of uh, Marco Martin, an Estonian driver. Um, his co-driver passed away from an accident. You know, uh, it was like a pole. He hit a pole as well, and then it kind of stopped the co-driver. But yeah, this is, it's almost 20 years since the last uh, fatal accident in WRC. Yeah, you know, and um, obviously my RC brain's thinking. I'm thinking like WRC, the RC brand. When you first had it, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That's why for me, that's why for me, like the WRC name, like when they released it, I was like, that's a bit silly name because for me, WRC is rallying. Right? Well, I know, but uh, they're doing pretty good over there. They have a nice little, nice little setup at PMB. Reminds me of old yeah. school JQ days. Old school JQ yeah. racing days. All yeah. right. Um, yeah, that's um that's um how old was this dude? Uh 33. Okay, wow, he's still young, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, he was he this was like I mean he was still like good for uh quite a few years in rallying and he was like right now he got had a good drive, just got like a second place finish in the last round in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Oh no, yeah, well he didn't attend Mexico, but the last round he attended in Sweden, uh, he finished second. So it's uh, he was definitely one of the best at the moment. So it's a big, big hit for sure. Sweet. All right. Well, unfortunate, unfortunate. Yeah. Max, we're going to go on to some Invisible Speed High Tech RC news. We got quite a lot to talk about. Then we're going to come back and do our Beach RC bench racing Q&A. So let's get on with some RC news. Brought to you by Invisible Speed. This is the ad from the Euros. No, the 20% discount does not still count. Jake, you need to make me a new one. Here you go. InvisibleSpeed.net. Thank you to Invisible Speed. I repeat, the 20% is not eligible in this ad. This is an old ad. I had somebody ask me on, on YouTube, so not eligible. Sorry about that. Also, thank you to High Tech RC for all their continued support. They just released their RDX2 1000 ACDC dual, part char- dual port charger, discharger, and power supply. It has a sleek modern design. I'm seeing a lot of people getting these. I, might, I mean, I like mine, but these look nice too. They look very nice. Uh, it has an easy-to-transport handle. The RDX2 1000 is the AC-DC powerhouse you need to charge your high-capacity battery packs at rapid rates. The dual outports each offer 20 amps of power to simultaneously charge two batteries of any chemistry or any. You can pair the outputs to outputs to, to charge up to rates of 35 amps. It's very easy to use. It has an LCD interface. It, uh, it has a front panel XT60 connectors. XH balance connectors. Uh, it's really great for stock class because you can pump up those amps like a lot of people like to do. And 
It also has the, you can also get the analyzer and this charger for it, the AD350. And you could, the street price on the charger is $279.99 and $149.99 for the AD350 analyzer discharger. You can find all of these at High Tech RC, where to buy to find your nearest uh, supplier. All right, Max. So let's get right into this. Thank you to our good friend, BJ, who helped us out with our notes this weekend. Again, hopefully he's feeling better after his uh, operation. If you guys want to help BJ out, he does have a GoFund going on. All right. So this weekend, Max, we had some racing going on. We had the Montpellier E-Buggy GE. Now, I have to say, they should do this race with the Nitro race. What do you mean? They should like, just do these two races at the same time. They shouldn't have two races. Like they should just have the Montpellier GP has electric and and nitro. Simple. They don't need yeah, to have two different is, races. Yeah, I mean, true, but they would have to limit entries. That's like the big issue because they have so many entries for the nitro race. Yeah, but okay. So Remy Bermudez won. Tell me a little bit about Remy, French driver, extra driver, young. Do you know anything else about him? <laughs> not really like he's one of the new guys like last year there was um uh theo lemire and um can't remember the other guy uh he finished well he finished fourth at this race again but last year there was like uh theo lemire and then there was one other driver but i'm blanking on his name and remy did well in um in the semis last year when he brings but um, since then, he's kind of been, you know, not that much hurt of. No, it's, um, and this is like a kind of from nowhere to winning. Obviously, he's, you know, a known name in the French scene. Like he's mm-hmm. made the top 10 in the nationals and so on. But not like uh, a driver who consistently has won in the French scene. Or I don't know if he has won a national. I haven't checked all of them, but. Yeah, there's lots of these sort of unknown drivers from France that don't travel outside that much. But I think this win is quite big. So, and like even beating Coelho Bayer, the two big guys from X Ray, and mm. him being an X Ray mm. driver, I'd, I'd be pretty certain that he, he'll be sent out to other races by X Ray. And I mean, he has good backing because uh, Iwan um, is backing him from the X Ray side. And then Bertin from the Corsetec side. So there's like two big name, names in the French scene um, helping him out. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Also, like, I think one of the first official wins for Corsetec, like from the big races. Obviously, David won the DNC last year, but now they have their products out. So I guess that was a big deal for them, too. Yes, I saw that he ran course attack. Congratulations to the young. They actually had a Super Bowl, and that's how he won this. Yeah, yeah. No, so... I'm not gonna lie, I did not watch much of this because I'll be honest, it was in French and it didn't have no overlay, so it was you know that yeah. it was. I, just yeah, didn't watch it. I don't think it even have moving cameras for the full time. I think they had it in like this type of stuff. But yeah. we have Barton in second, Coelho third, Theo Lemaire fourth, and Ronafalk fifth. Not definitely not what Ronafalk wanted, but I, I, in his defense, I will say this: this was a completely different surface from when uh, Angaro won the Nitro version of this. Yeah, in February, yeah. it was like I, and dusty. Yeah. And- I, 
Yeah. I gotta be honest, like, I'm not too convinced of the Matrix tires at the moment, to be, to be honest. They're still uh, new. They are still new. I'm thinking, like, that could be one issue. I mean, David said he had issues with setup, so that could be. And, and to be honest, like, Butterfuller had an, uh, not was, that good of a weekend yeah. because he was in sixth. So, yeah, but yeah, definitely not a great showing for David. And uh, yeah, they, they just went testing in Spain too. So, I yeah. don't know. Well, it, not it a good showing for Barufalo either. Yeah, yeah, to be honest, not not a great showing for either. But So, maybe, yeah, maybe I mean, what we're seeing is just that. You know, these are like these young kids are really good at these e buggy drinkers, you know? I mean, as yeah, well. but yeah, and definitely Coil Hope most likely is more comfortable with e buggy compared to Nitro Buggy because he that. races electric classes a lot more. But mm-hmm. still, I mean, it definitely I'd expect Rona Park to be on the top. I would top agree. There. I would agree. I'd agree. I mean, I think yeah, he would you agree. Could always argue, yeah, I mean, you can always say like he hasn't gone to Montpellier in a few years. It's a new new tire run, different conditions to what they ran in the spring when he'd have any reference of tires. But I think those are all just like excuses. So yeah, definitely something like he he definitely hasn't had a great start to the year. I have to say that. No, he hasn't. But uh, we'll talk about that in a more because we're gonna see him race again here shortly. Um, yeah. All right, Brookthorpe Easter GP, Chris Lavo. I remember when he first told me about this. Uh, he pulled it off. Unfortunately, rained out. It did get a good bit. I think got like eighty plus entries. Uh, this is an oil track. Uh, also has carpet. Uh, Astro. Uh, I know like uh, Rowan the Barbarian and his dad and William Wallace. They all go to this track. Well, used to when they run. Now Rowan and William are all about partying. Now as growing young men. Um, finals were rained out. Unfortunately, they did have RC Racing TV there on the Sunday, and yeah. I was I, I woke up like you know I was like oh I'm gonna watch a little bit of racing here on the on the you know Monday after Easter and it was like rained out I was just like ah, but Skidmore took your TQ Lee Martin second and Dylan Saunders third. Uh, I have to say this, um, I legitimately think that Skidmore is the second best X-ray offer driver in Europe right now. He is better than Remy Bermudez, but Remy Bermudez is younger. He's not. He's not on. Obviously, look in X-ray. You're never going to touch Coelho. Yeah, Yeah. in Europe, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Skidmore. This is Johnny. Of I, I I don't know if he's the younger or older. And the thing about him, he's he's a little older. He's like 25, I think. I I could be wrong, but he's starting to have. He's he's one year older than me. Yeah, no, I think he's a little bit older. One or two years uh, older than me, and I'm currently 22. So okay. he's like 24, 24 25. And his 25th that. year. Let's put it that way. Yeah. yeah uh, but he's very impressive. With him. Very impressive. Think, with him. Yeah. I think when he won the nationals with Mugen, that mm-hmm. year of, I think it was the year of COVID, he won the nationals with, with his first and only year with Mugen. He won the nationals. And after that, I think he's just been constantly pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year, World's A main. That's that's in and on itself a pretty big achievement. Yep. And like all around the year, all through the year, he was consistent. I don't know if he ended up winning the UK nationals, um, or I, I don't know. I think he won it again with extra, but I 
I can't. I don't know. Do I, think know? I think he did yeah. too. I think he did too. I can't but think he's of definitely... anyone else who would have won it. All right, so from England, let's be so let's be realistic. We have, obviously we have. I'm just going to go over like the, the top guys. So we have obviously we have Neil Craig, Lee Martin, for a long time Boots, who really resides in Italy, uh, but comes over yeah. to England to race some nationals. And then it's Skidmore, right, in eight scale, and he's also I, he's also doing well in ten scale too. Yeah, yeah. I got to be honest, so he's, like Skidmore he's legitimately is on his better. way. Like he should be if he keeps this up. Like I feel he. Mm, is he gonna be like? Is he gonna be a full time RC pro, or is he gonna be more like a Neil Craig, where he actually has a job and does it on his side? But I definitely think his yeah. show and his talent and his skill set. Her now, I would like to see him come to America to race as well. Yeah, okay, that's definitely one thing he lacks, like going to America. But I gotta be honest, like if we think of like the early two thousand tens. When there were Bloomfield, Lee Martin, and Elliot Boats. Those were like mm-hmm. the three top guys. Well, okay, Anil Craig as well. So there was four like top guys from the UK in the NHL, you know? Since then, uh like Lee has kind of dropped off, to be honest. He hasn't been, you know, top level competitor. Like let's imagine 2014, he was leading the world semi, you know. Can't mm-hmm. you see him do it today? No, no way. No. But it doesn't boots. take away from his abilities. He's kind of transitioning into that next. Oh no no he's yeah yeah. Well, in ten yeah. scale too. He does he does well. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying like boots TQ at the worlds in 2012. Uh, he was almost uh, on the verge of TQing in 2016. These days, uh, he was on the verge of the world's final, but I don't think he ended up making it. Uh, last. I think he last, was in the semi. No, yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember. I can't yeah, remember. but he was he was definitely not on like the top top level. Right, 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 right. I get. And that. then Neil Craig, I kind of see he still drives and races a lot, but I've kind of seen him slowly fade out even a little bit more than before. And uh, Bluefield went out of RC completely for a while. He's back again, but racing mostly on you know national level. So to me, like currently, I'd say Skidmore is the top guy in the UK. Oh, in yeah, most eight scale, eight scale, like hundred percent. In ten scale, like the whole brothers are doing really well. Um, Craig is still very strong in ten scale, mm-hmm. uh, and then there are lots of those, you know, guys who can make the Euros a main from like, I, I think his name is Ben Smith who made it last year. Uh, Lee is still strong in ten scale. Ben Simpson. Okay, yeah. So he, he finished fourth at this race. Yeah. So there is sorry, an e, an e- buggy. I don't Lewis know. Lewis Jones, there, but... WRC. Yeah, uh, Lewis. Lewis is good too, but I think he's you know a bit below. Like he's, I wouldn't pick right. him to win the national national. Right. I I pick him to be in the top five. You know, but I think Dylan Saunders. I. Pretty sure if he was at RCG, I, pre- I think I met him. I, I'm bad with names and remembering faces, but yeah. apparently, young S Works Reds racer. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I met this guy, uh, young he, man. He most likely was there. He's he's kind of those guys who, you know, there was this wave of when Clancy, Skidmore, uh, Lewis Jones, these guys, and even Callum Nibbler at one point. These yeah. were the guys who was like. In the European Championships, they were like in the quarterfinals, lots of potential. making the semi. Jack Embling. Well, potential. Yeah, Embling was there too. So they, they made like the semi quarterfinal of the Euros. Um, and then like 
I'd say Clancy does well on a national level, but on an international, he kind of struggles. Skidmore is kind of the only one who's like stuck it out and really made a big name of himself. So, and even like I'd say Will, I, I, I think like, like Will used to be like not even close to the level of like Johnny before, but I think recently he's gotten really close to the level of Johnny. Like, uh, even some like national rounds, he's been like, even beating Johnny, maybe Johnny has some issues or something, but still, you know, he, he can, you know, be on the top of the UK scene. So like, yeah, I think, I think there was a sort of a transition. Now back to Dylan, I think he's sort of the next wave of young talent. Like the whole brothers cover that side in 10 scale. And then like Dylan Sanders, he, he is one of those like young, really young drivers in the UK right now. So I think he could be, you know, if yep. he, there's if quite a few like there's quite a few young eight scale drivers coming up billy grinley yeah. they're likey they're likey kids uh, there's another kid maxim cook that i met who was really good of hb so yeah. uh, uh ruben shakespeare who's a little older but still like his like i would say 14 15 you know yeah. so yeah it's but good to see lots of lots of potential like, talent of yeah but i think like let's let's be honest like purely based on merit I think Skidmore should be a full-time pro. Like, a main finish at the Worlds. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not sure if he made the main at Euros, but he's made the main at a bunch of big races. Yes. And yes. he's like a consistent name in, let's say, the top 50 of Europe, at least. And I would agree. Like, like his results at the Worlds, to me, was like, okay, like he, I think he, he's earned it. And then he's still done well at, like, EOS and stuff like that. So... Definitely, in my opinion, like purely on merit, should be a full time pro. Then again, you know, if X Ray pays salary to a guy in the UK, you know, like currency, all that kind of stuff. So, like, can he live off that wage? That's going to be more difficult. Like, that's true too. Like, if you're a driver who is in Southern Europe or a driver who is in like UK, like, that's very different. Like, the amount of pay you can get. It's very mm-hmm. different, you know. Mm-hmm. So well, that's yeah, because in the UK, like if you make um, two thousand euros a month, you're not gonna live off of that because, no. like, what that transfers to in pounds, it's not enough. And then living in the UK in general is much more expensive. So, yes. like, if you, if we took it on merit, yes, but can he live off of it? It's gonna be difficult. I, I would agree as long as he's in the UK. Well, I hope his father listens to this. He'll, I'm sure he'll message me. Yeah, after this. yeah. He, he, I think he'll have an opinion on that. It's his son, after all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I, I, I am. I'm. Yeah, I am. I'm glad he's back. Like I believe that they're putting in the yeah. work that it takes to yeah. be a professional. And to be, to be honest, there was like this period of when, like, Boots was just winning every round in the UK. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'd mm-hmm. say between like 2016, 2019, around that area. Now, Boots was the dominant one in the UK scene. Lee and Neil were doing still well, you know, having good finishes on the European level. But then, like, during COVID, it kind of shifted, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Clancy won a few nationals uh, prior to COVID. Then Skidmore just soon started winning nationals in the UK. And for a while, it kind of looked like, you know, the kind of next wave of UK talent kind of was, like, um, like narrowing off. But then, you know, Skidmore just sh- shot back at it. And I think they, they made it, um, they made it like really well for a bit. And I think, I you know, you. because he had like Johnny, especially, he had that period where he was kind of the same level for a long time. 
you know that's the thing like everyone faces that when you get up he got over that he broke that plateau yeah he got to a plateau and he broke like that plateau does increments come very 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 long and far between so very good to them i agree with you uh we look forward to seeing what they do this year as well jbrl ron one celebrating its 20th year uh i think this place was packed it was at the dart uh it was good. We saw FCJ, Frankie Contreras Jr. taking the win in Pro Nitro Buggy. Camden Lime second. Cavalry third. So one fun thing. I don't know what you said about Frankie Contreras Jr., but his father does not like you, apparently, according to um, JQ. JQ talked about it on the Facebook. Uh, he talked about it on the podcast. I don't know what you said, but something that you said has pissed off Frankie Contreras Sr., and JQ says, this okay. is not a guy you want to piss off. But um, very good for FCJ. Okay. Yeah, very good for FCJ. Uh, I'm going to say this. I like him. I like his dad. I like what he's doing. But we need we need to see him. I, and I know it's not probably not going to happen because I heard he plays baseball. Tuss is pretty good at baseball. But I, I need to see this. I need to see him. If I'm Mugen, I'm, you know where I'm sending him? I'll tell you where I'm sending him. I'll send him up to the Pacific Northwest with Drake because Drake's going up there a lot. Right to do stuff, send him up there. He'll 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 be them guys will love him up there. He'll get some experience on some different tracks. Try to get him up to some race time events. I mean, I would like to see FCJ do that. Right. So I I hope he does that. I think he should go to like race time events because after all, those are like the big events in America, and like they are not easy races. You know, you have just a few. Like obviously like the practice like you can get a lot of practice but it's definitely not some good practice and it like you have to like all the issues with practice so that is difficult then you only get a few shots at the qualifier and then you go into straight to a main with like well, jbr only has one qualifier yeah but it's different because he knows the track like he right, probably so goes to paris look, a lot i'm not this look, this is this is a bit this is a good win. Like JBR was not easy, you know. Drake, oh, Cavalier, yeah. like, but yeah, I agree with I, you. He needs to, he needs to go, and I think it was. But I, this this is I want to segue because I'm going to talk about somebody that has been going to these races and is greatly improving, right? And that's Camden Lime because he's yeah. he's been getting. So I was at a point like you know, so Camden made that transition from HB HB at RCGP 2019. Camden Lime was fucking fast. Like, you know what he I was, mean? Yeah. He was fast. Look, we know the HP cars are really good there. All of them are good, but he was good. Did He He won, right? He won it. Yeah, he won it. Like, right. he, he, won even, he even had a really poor start, but then he just catched Westergaard and pulled off like a lead of a lap or something. He absolutely dominated the RC2 club. Right. No doubt about it. So I'm not going to lie. He, he So he went to S-Works, and it, it, it's been a while since he got back to that like that level, I think. And then yeah. I thought he's I think, also a yeah. really good golfer as well. So I saw him doing that more. And I know it's like looking at using golf to go to school. And I don't blame him if he wants to do golf full time either, because that's way more money than what you get in RC. But he yeah. seems to have put his focus into RC. And, I, and, he, and you know, I, was talk, I saw him at PMB. He messaged me too the other day. When he, I said, man, good job. You won this. You know, I was happy for him. Well, he won, he won Truggy and he, um, he came second in Nitro Buggy. But at PNB, he was fast, right? And he's been getting better and better. And he's doing a lot of racing. So it's good to see him. You, you know, he could have easily just said, all right, this isn't, this isn't for me, right? 
and he yeah. could have he could run and done golf. But he's still doing golf, right? Because you know he's a teenager. Yeah. But he's stuck it yeah, out. And I, he's I can, yeah. He's I can matter. see him do like kind of like a Mason Fuller type of thing. You know, just like win one big race suddenly and then just stay up there, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like if he just had like the time and uh you know put in like the time into it, focused only on RC for a bit, maybe. Like he could I, I bet he could do the like what Mason Fuller did where he won that big e buggy race and after that he was just like there always, you know. Well I think so for then, him it would just be making major A mains right now. That would be his first goal. Yeah, but I think I think he's already at the level where he can make pretty much all of the A mains. He just like needs to be better prepared, I bet. Like because it's like sometimes he does really he, like his main main issue is inconsistency. He has mm-hmm. the speed, but like it's just so inconsistent. I believe FCJ is also almost there as well. Uh, this win will yeah. help him out. Camden line, good second. Cav third. I think that's solid for Cav. I, I mean, we're gonna probably. I get, don't know. I, I, look, I man, have gotta, to be honest here. We like, gotta look, man. We gotta look. He's out there. He's out. He's getting podiums. No, but okay. Listen to like what we just said. We said Frankie Contreras. Uh, he's what like i bet 15, he's under 18 yeah 15, 15 16 he's like you said he's playing baseball going to school uh he's practicing when he has time and he goes out there wins jbrl then camden blind golfs golfs half the time plays whatever i think he plays baseball as well um goes, goes to, to school. school and smokes him in truggy uh, smokes cavalier in truggy Beats him in Nitro Buggy. And Cavalieri gets paid paid money to only race RC cars. No social media marketing. No, like, building brand. No team manager roles. Just go to the track, practice, and win races. And he gets beat by these two kids. Like, that's not good. Like, yeah, you finished third. That's just evolution. That's, that's evolution. That's evolution. It is. But, like, like... Let's be honest here. Like that's be honest. There was a time that nobody would be Cavalieri at JBRL. Yeah, that's like I remember those days when it was just Drake and Cavalieri taking each other out for the last <laughs> five minutes. Like that's what that like. There was a time of JBRL where it would just Drake and Cavalieri a lap ahead of everyone else, and they're just taking each other out until they finish. And now it's like like Drake barely made. I don't think Drake made a podium in any of the classes. I don't think so either. But he did make a podium at PMB. Uh, he did, yeah, forty plus, and he I, was good in Nitro Buggy too. Yeah, right forty pluses. That doesn't beat well, Tebow. But okay, Drake. Like I, 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 I don't really mind Drake's race results because no, he does so much other stuff. But yeah. the thing is, like, Cavalieri does none of this stuff that Drake does, <laughs> and he doesn't get good results at the moment. Like, okay, he made the main at the DNC. Like that was pretty good, and he, he like, he's up there. If you're only getting paid to race, you got to do more than that. And eat some smacks. You are hardcore yeah. on on poor Cavalier. No, but like I'm just being like, you can't say that I'm wrong. I'm not. Try- I I like Cavalier. I don't have any issue with him. But I'm just being like honest. Like if if I was his employer, I would I would be like, this is not a great investment. I no. think he's. I think WRC is happy. He's getting podiums. He's getting podiums. They seem to be happy. Let's see. Yeah. He's we got we got Silver State coming up soon. All right. Uh, real quick. E buggy. Pavitas wins. 
Cavs second, Arondondo third. Congratulations to Mavitas. He was good in qualify and practice and qualifying in the first round of qualifying at PMB. Uh, yeah. And Nitro Truggy, Camden Line wins. Contreras second, Pavitas third. Uh, these are, I, I, we got to look at these these three. So Pavitas still, I mean, is a little older than us, but you're doing your age, I yeah. think. Pavitis, but Contreras Pavitis and Camden Line are still teenagers. Yeah, I think, yeah, Camden and uh, Frankie, those two have, you know, I've, all, I've always said they had potential. I think Camden got really distracted at one point. Like didn't at least to me it didn't look like he put that. Uh, yeah, much after, after I would say I would say after he made the the, the from HB to to S works, it was yeah, a big transition yeah, for him. Yeah. But I think Frankie, like he now, like I bet he's practicing quite a bit with Drake, and if he's not, he should. So and definitely he like I'd like to see him somewhere like maybe AMS because then you get. A bit of practice, you can get used to the track and all that. Mm-hmm. So that would be like a, a little bit of a stepping stone to get into the East Coast racing scene because it's very different. Like West Coast, like the way you drive at dirt, it's very different the way you should drive at PMB or something like that. It's it's completely different thing. Much more close to like European style um, of racing where you have to actually hold corner speed and stuff like that. And yeah. I don't know what I said about Frankie that made his dad mad. You should apologize to his father. I, I am I am sorry about it. I I don't I don't think I ever had anything anything against him. I, I never heard JQ say anything about this. And then he goes, "Oh, I have a story to tell about Frankie." And 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 I, and I was like, "Really?" Anyway, um, I don't know. I don't news, know what I would have said. Like I don't I have I don't even have any negative thoughts about him. So I I, I'm a fan of it. Who knows, man? You know, you said something. You said yeah. something. In other news, my buddy Axel was telling me about this. Uh, LSR Speedway, it's been open for whew, so many years. Indoor 10 skill track, I believe, in Sacramento. Closing, rent increase cited as the reason for that. Um, oh, so let's, we, we got a couple more things to talk about. Then we're going to talk about tracks. But let's talk about tires. So we have new tires, like J Concepts releases new car, uh, new carpet and turf tire. Proline drops a new carpet and turf tire. We see um, Proline dropped a new compound. I think it's what, S5? I think it's called. I can't remember. I talked about this on the previous podcast, but let's put this up. So here we go. We got, ooh, these are like, uh, so these look like almost like mini pins or what Schumacher spikes or like a step pin almost. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So the rear tire is kind of like a dart, like a bigger dart. Or a spike, you know, mm-hmm. mix of a dart and spike of like Schumacher tires. Mm-hmm. So I think this is for like really rough uh, Astro turf. And then the front tire is like um, kind of a carpet tire where it kind of like a Schumacher fusion where you have, uh, you know, the pins in the center, but then you have the stagger or, or well, pin swag, they call it, um, like those edges. And then um, this is the tire from Proline. It was the Harpoon. Yes. Which is, this is kind of a, a newer design because this is more like, kind of like a fugitive, uh, type of tire where there's like straight pins mm-hmm. and quite densely together. I mean, it's close to the cactus of Schumacher, but it's still different because the cactus has more round pins mm-hmm. and more pointy ends. 
So this would be interesting to see how it will handle. Because I, as far as I'm concerned, this looks like a carpet tire in the end. So, so yeah, this know. is what I'm going to say about this, right? I think we are about to see, which I think is a good thing, I think we're going to see carpet racing just blow up in USA. I think we're going to see yeah. semi-permanent tracks. I think we're finally going to see that. And I just think people are realizing that they have to follow the UK uh, European model of having these tracks in school halls, church halls, stuff like that, where they can work on a deal where they can keep stuff and just make a different track. Yeah. I, I just, mean, there it just, will and be, it's going yeah. to blow be, up. It's going to grow RC. Sorry to say this. Yeah. I, I know, just let me, sorry to interrupt you. I know, I, I've said this before, but when you see Proline and J Concepts putting this much focus into carpet tires that come out with completely new designs, do you know that this market is growing and it's going to be pretty big? And I can only yeah. see it getting bigger and better for for that. And I, I truly believe that this is one of the best ways to get people into racing. Yeah, carpet is 100% much uh, more beginner-friendly than dirt, you know? Because you can drive any car. In there. Yeah, short course uh, will short suffer. Like, they, like, short construction will just, like, rip-roll everywhere. But, like, in terms of like two wheel drive, stock racing, all that, that will just grow massively. And um, yeah, it's hard to say like what it's about, but I I'd say like most like the issue is just like generally housing and um, well not housing yeah, because but well what it is it's, be it's, it's becoming expensive. too look we just saw LSR right clay track yeah. been there for fifteen years or whatever go on. Because of rent increase, right? So yeah. what is the best way to have more people? When you start a club, have a little, you know, a little community, just like what you see in the UK. And this is what, if I'm a track, this is what I'm doing. And mm -hmm. you take the funds, you can take those funds, you can pay a little bit of rent to whatever, you know what I mean? And you can buy a new carpet every year, stuff like that. And and everybody makes happy. And you get more people into RC. Maybe you get, a, maybe you, you can, and also this is portable, right? So you can take this stuff, and go do it somewhere else. That's the beautiful thing about this stuff. Like, if you run out of space here, you can go do it. I just feel that this is the, this is why, look, like, look, I'm gonna, I got it in my notes later on, but Martin Owen messaged me this week and he goes, hey, our first nationals at Robin Hood, now Robin, Robin Hood's outdoors, right? Our first Robin Hood at, at, is completely booked. Two wheel drive, four wheel drive. And we have 70 people on the waiting list. First nationals yeah. of the year. That's yeah, it's freaking impressive. Yeah, and and I think it will because there there has been a big increase of uh, outdoor like carpet slash astroturf tracks in America too. Yeah, it's not only just like indoor tracks are uh, going away from dirt to carpet. It's like those that used to be dirt tracks outdoors now, like hey, we can do like astro outdoors. Mm -hmm. So that will come back as well. And to be honest. I am a bit sad that the dirt racing will go away. But then again, like the indoor dirt racing, like I don't, like most of it is just silly. It will like still be there. Like, it will be, but I think like something like SDRC or the old OCRC, that is still, I can see that still as a dirt race, you know? But then like the CRC, RC race, like the, the track is just like, it's almost like glued together. It's like, mm. it's almost like racing on, you know, concrete style. Type yeah, but people still like that. And I think people you'll still like see it. those people tracks. Like I know. 
but the thing is like what's like moving from that to carpet is not that big of a change all it does is the race organ or the track um the club or you know track owner whatever they just have to do less work because changing a layout on a carpet track is so much easier so much easier and that's and people love new layouts there you go yeah you have a new one every time you go there and if it's a bigger event then you and you have it on a weekend you could just leave everything set up for the weekend yeah i so think i, I think, think there will be i think there will be you know a situation in america too where like let's think of eos um i believe i believe like none of the races were on permanent tracks at one point uh mm. arena was the only one which was a permanent track Everyone else was a rented out location, a sporting hall, which they built the track for. Uh, one time it was the Nürburgring uh, race. Uh, they had a fair or big event there and RC was on the side of it. And then like big um, fairs in Poland, in Austria, you know, they put out carpets and put a track there. So in America, like the, like there's so many shopping malls, mm-hmm. so many Abandoned big sporting halls. And even abandoned ones too. So like, but the best scenario is you rent out the big sporting hall. I bet it's so much cheaper than renting out, you know, something like, let's say PNB. Well, PNB it's in the middle of Tennessee, so it's a little cheaper, but you know, big, big sporting halls like this, where you can make a 10 scale track, build a carpet track. You have fre- like, you can make the jumps and store them somewhere and then just bring them out, roll out the carpet. And you have a track built in a day, day, pretty much. You say go there on Wednesday. You can leave by Monday morning. You're, you're good. So, uh, Tony Scarcella, my good buddy, he uh, races a lot of ten scale on road and off road at this. I think it, I think it's like an old church or something. I don't know what it is, but it's permanent. Like they have it permanently, but they have like one side's on road, one side's off road. They have a healthy, healthy thing going and. What's going on is, you know, like up in uh, Pacific Northwest, up in Oregon, I think they have an old Sears building that's like turned into like a hobby, like a RC dreamland with different tracks and stuff. And even when I was here recently, well, last year when I was in North Carolina, uh, I went with Mike Hill to his dad was into uh, slot cars, like drag slot cars and stuff. And here we are in a mall, like where these people just rent a, like, you know, because people ain't renting stuff, you know, big mall buildings and they have it. They had slot cars there, they had a little, so. They had a little try like oval ten scale track, you know, nothing too serious. So I I just think that this is the future, and this is and and you know what, people can just get away with running two or drive buggy, and get enough runtime in, spend less money, and build the skills that they need to be competitive. And yeah, it's so much yeah. cheaper. And they okay, maybe stock will be expensive because stock is, can get expensive, right? But I just think it's it's really good, and I think I think when you run. Personally, when you run, you you'll see more people running modified on carpet too because it's you got traction, you know, you got traction. Yeah. All right. I think I think you know actually like the J concepts carpet series or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Like I think if they will go out to like try to go out like renting a hall and building that equipment. I think that has a chance of becoming like a huge series in America because it's very different to going, you know, well, one huge. of these. It is huge. Permanent, yeah. But like it is huge. Okay. Yeah. But I, I mean like the level of, you know, PMB, like DNC, like these big races, because 
10 scale is much more affordable to begin with. Then like renting out these big facilities, um, it's it's still cheaper to do it for 10 scale than to do it for 8 scale. No need to build a track from dirt, nothing like that. I think there's a big way of like in the future, carbon racing will become mainstream. Now, I don't say that's better or worse, but I'm saying like I, I can't see it happening any other way, to be honest. Well, yeah, I agree with you. I, I agree that it's it's going to be just it's just easier for people altogether. Yeah. All right. I think that's it. We have some race announcements coming up, but I'm going to start with this race announcement. The International Buggy Challenge at Barcelos, Portugal. Uh, I will be there. I have my ticket booked. So I'm going out there to help out with the stream as well as do NNRC stuff. Uh, if you wish to be a part of that, you know, let me know because I'm looking for some companies to sponsor that part of it. Uh, so check me out. Hit me up. Uh, I look forward to it. Thanks to y'all and everybody over there. I was just talking with the media team. So we're planning to do a, a good show over there. The IBC coming up from the 12th to the 14th of May. I am really looking forward to going to Portugal. Uh, I just keep hearing how good the food is. Yeah, like this fat guy needs to eat more food. Oh, I will eat. I will eat. I will eat. Uh, thank you to uh, y'all and everybody there at the IBC crew. Looking forward to getting out to Portugal, seeing all the European races. This race is going to be stacked. Ongaro just announced that he's going. This is the first time we've seen Ongaro versus Ronafox since the world. The last time they met at this track, Ronafox smoked him. Now they're on the same tires. They're teammates, tire-wise. Woo, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. The only thing we're going to... I don't think they're going to have a lot of the French guys because it's the Nationals and no Killicks. But I think uh, a lot of other guys are going. So it's going to be great. All right, Max, to talk about that, we have a lot of races coming up. We're going to go through these. Coming up uh, this weekend, April 14th to 16th, the U.S. Buggy Champions at Trackside Hobbies. In, uh, that's Scotty Ernst's home track. Also, Scotty is our guest this week i forgot to say that i forgot to tell you that that scotty's our guest i interviewed him it was a great chat with him uh that's happening at raceway uh at brook in brookfield wisconsin the efra 110 scale 112 scale european championships are going on from the 14th to 16th in roberts bridge community college eastbourne great britain i really like what ddrc tv is doing with the uh, drivers and all that stuff so that's the guys who are working for the brca so they're going to be doing some nationals this year. It looks like they're, they're very open. I, I Look, I, I want to go work with them. I want to go work with them one day. Uh, we have also, I talked about this recently, but coming up next, this weekend as well, on the 15th to 16th, we have the first round of the BRCA 10-scale nationals, which is completely sold out, two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive, with 70 driver waiting lists. That's good. We have Raceway 1. They're doing coverage. Uh, next weekend after that, we have, the NXT warm-up, I think Ronald Fox is going to that. Uh, next weekend, we have the Florida RC car, RC Championships, which it looks like I'll be at. Then the following weekend, we have the North Georgia Shootout. Woo. This weekend, we have the Columbia Cup. 
at first round of the North uh North NCT at Pasco watching up in Pacific Northwest. That's just we still we're still in April, I think. Um we got yeah. the electric 10 scale carpet nets coming up. Not this weekend, but the following weekend. Hopefully I get there for the Sunday. Big race coming up. Uh shout out to my boy Tyler uh Tyler Zavado of uh, RC Drag Talk. King of the Streets 3. This is the first big RC payout race. Uh, he is a purist at heart. He loves drag racing. This is his third iteration. This is a race I really want to go to one day. I haven't talked to him much about this. My buddy Sean isn't going to show he's been to all He's not bummed about that. But uh, Tyler's just a really good dude. He's done a lot for the RC drag racing community. And they're going to have like 20 grand on on up for grabs. A female female one at Asher, so that's good to see. Uh, okay, so now we're going into May. Obviously, we have Silver State coming up. We're going to have the Killix there. I think like Boots might be going. JCC might be going. Alex Bernardzak's going. So that's good to see. Uh, the Dirt Learn Star Challenge, May 19th to 21th, which is the, the second race of Joe's series. Remember to go there, and then they go Silver State. So they go Silver State, then they go here, and then they go Visions Race. We got the Ifmar 10-scale pre-worlds coming up on May 27th, 28th at Hobby Action. There's a lot of racing. Then we got Visions RC Offer coming up June 15th, 17th. We got Nationals coming up. We got Wicked Weekend. We got Euros coming up. We got E-Buggy Euros coming up. Then we got Ifmar 8-scale E-Buggy World Cup in September, along with the Worlds. That's the week after the Worlds. Dude, these guys have got a busy freaking schedule. And I believe uh, we have another race from Mark Moon and those guys at the Raybon Arena. It's the Peach State Classic. So, dude, there is a lot. A lot. And I'm sure I've missed things. Philippine Masters coming up in two weeks. Not this weekend, but the following weekend. Yeah. That's going to have full coverage. Asia Buggy Challenge, which is the first round of the Asia Buggy Challenge. I have more about that. We, me and Scotty talk about that, but uh, we I have Zach and Ben on. I recorded with them like a week and a half ago. They come on and talk more about that. I'll put that out next week. Damn, dude! And we still, you know what? We still don't know if Kyle McBride is retired yet. Yeah, I'd wish to know what 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 she's doing this day. It's crazy. Lots of racing. Lots of racing. If we missed your race, we're sorry, but just we, you know, we can't see it all. It's that, and we're not even talking about regional races. And it's good to see though. It's really good to see. Yeah. It's really good to see. All right, Max. Um, you know what? I think that's it. We're gonna go on. We're gonna answer some questions. You know, your favorite part of this, and that is brought to you by the BTRC Bench Racing Q and A. Thank you to uh, BTRC Wheel and Trigger tonight as we're recording this. Obviously, well, Thursday night they'll have Mark Santa Maria on. Check them out. And uh, shout out to Brent Lucas and everybody. At Beach RC, we greatly appreciate your support. I think it's time I ordered me a Losi LMT from there when I make some money. RC is a, RC is just you know it's, it's really bad for you, man. It's really bad for you. You just want so much RC stuff. It just never stops. Never stops. BeachRC.com, the racers' one-stop online hobby shop. Choose from all the popular brands and variety in stock with super fast shipping and great customer service. BeachRC.com still has the local hobby shop feel with all the benefits of the internet. BeachRC.com is the exclusive distributor for Ultimate Racing, JQ Racing, 
Pro Circuit racing tires, Nitro Lux fuels, and Assault RC performance products. So fill up your cart and check out at BeachRC.com today. That's right. Thank you to BeachRC for their continued support, a brick and mortar hobby shop. You know what? We have an affiliate link for that in the written description. If you guys use that, it helps us out. We got a little slice of it. Thank you. If you can do that, we greatly appreciate it. So Max, this is your favorite. No, no, we're going to have to set some, some rules because already an hour and seven minutes into this and we're just getting into the questions. I know you have to, I know you love going on. I think you're actually answering these questions and debating yourself in your brain at times. So yeah. our safe yeah, word for this will be, hmm, what shall our safe word be for this? I don't know. Watermelon seeds. There we go. That's our <laughs> safe word. Why not just watermelon? Why do you have to? Have I don't know, seeds? man. Seeds are good too. You got to, you know, I don't, I never spell out the seeds. I eat just watermelon seeds, everything, you know? Yeah. So watermelon seeds. When I say watermelon seeds, you need to wrap it up. So okay. I'm going to give you a watermelon seed right away. Right away. So let's see. First question. So we have questions from Facebook. We have questions from uh, from our Patreon. We have questions from YouTube membership. We have questions from our our Discord, which is over 500 people finally. And we have questions from Instagram. But first, our questions from Y'all Mellow. Max, in a very watermelon-seeded answer, what is your opinion on the new HB front hubs? Oh, I, okay. I'm going to trigger people. Yeah, so I actually did because I wanted to be sure I was right. Um, so I checked, uh, double-checked at what was there, like what did they update. So basically what they did is they used to have um, different uh, rear hubs as well mm-hmm. as front C-hubs and uh, the knuckle uh, for the truggy and the buggy. So the buggy used the C-hub style front suspension, whereas the truggy use this um 10 scale style front end where there is more offset more um scrub radius uh and then the rear end same thing so more offset okay so the difference of this is that this will make the car now talking purely the front end the rear end is another story i'll leave that out for now but purely the front end, um, the difference is that you will have more um, scrub radius, as I said. And what this does is when you turn the wheels, the wheels are effectively pressed outwards. So instead of just the direction of the wheel turning, it also pushes the wheel for the outside wheel forwards. So this makes the initial reaction to steering more aggressive. And um, overall, you can feel the initial initial steering increase. Now, the downsides of this is you have to shorten the arm length, which again makes the car uh, more aggressive, more reactive. And oftentimes, this can struggle in bumps. And um, even in like, like I'd say, even on high grip conditions, it will be more tough to drive because the initial feel would be just more aggressive. Now, what they've done is the original truggy parts they used um, for at the Worlds, I believe, they basically had some truggy parts that they put on the buggy, made some new A-arms so that the, the width of the car would stay the same. 
So they had zero degree and two degree and four degree kingpin inclination. So what this does, it, it decreases the scrub radius, um, but still keeps the arm short. Um, so effectively, you will reduce that effect of the tire pushing outwards, but you will still have the reactiveness and, and so forth. And they also in, uh, introduced a 22 degree C hub, so quite drastic, um, quite drastic caster. Um, and now I'm talking about the hubs. Technically, they are still C hubs, but they are the 10 scale type of hub where there's more offset. So they introduced more caster. They introduced more uh, kingpin inclination by introducing a six degree hub. And what they do with this is they decrease the effect of what they're kind of trying to do with this. So they put this high offset, high scrub radius hub on the car to make the initial steering more aggressive. And then they increase the caster and they increase the kingpin to which both kill um, the initial steering response. The caster transfers the weight from the outer tire to the inner tire when you steer. And then the kingpin inclination in general, uh, reduces the scrub radius which makes the initial steering um less reactive but overall they have they have maybe i don't know i haven't driven the car so i don't know like if it feels similar to the c-hub design but my estimation would be that the steering feel remains quite similar to their old c-hub design but overall, the front end is um, more aggressive, more reactive because of the shorter arm. Now, personally, I don't think of this as a, a good design stance. And uh, yeah, Joseph has said that they did it just to use off some old truggy parts. But I think their you know, main goal was to make the front end a bit more reactive because let's be honest, compared to let's say the TLR, um, the HP is much more of a calm car, uh, better over bumps, uh, TLR, better, like more reactive. Let's say AMS, you can really see fan drive that car hard. That's also down to the rear end a bit, but, uh, HP tried to make the front end more reactive by introducing a shorter arm and then counter the downside of the more aggressive initial steering by introducing caster and introducing KPI. My opinion, uh, I'd go with the old front end. But I can see why some people may like the new one. Um, probably better on, let's say, AMS, maybe. But uh, for DNC, I wouldn't run the new front end. Uh, you're on mute, but yeah, I, oh, I, no, I, I think I, 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 I that was not. I did not have to watermelon seed you. Uh, so good job, good, yeah. good, 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 good response. Kyle Neri, what's up, Kyle? Uh, what do you think has more fly in or out in or out of state racers? So it's at, basically asked, what do you think has what do you think has more fly in or out of state racers after going to both races this year, DNC or PNB? Okay, sorry. Um I'd say I still, DNC. Just yeah, I, to these two well, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Fly so, in, definitely. Yes, yes, def definitely more fly-in people. So to be fair, uh, at PMB we had people from Arena, we had people from Canada, and then we had people from all over America. So, you know, so here's a couple of things about these races. PMB is located in a in a location where you can get 
people from the Northeast, from the Midwest, from the Southeast, from the South, and from the very East Coast, right? From from Texas, people drove from Canada, you know? So yeah. it gets that. DNC, when it was in Arizona, used to get the same amount of people. Not as moved, like same people people used to come from Colorado. They still do, but there was a lot more people. I know people that have stopped going to DNC since they moved back to to um to what we call it to 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 SoCal, but I DNC still has like it still has more people will travel to that now. It's equally both are easy to get to. To be honest, I, I kind of sat down and I done the math. I was like, so look, you fly into LA, you still got to drive two two hours, two and a half hours, almost three hours to get to the track, right? In traffic. So with PMB, people flying to Knoxville. If you can't fly into Knoxville, you can fly into Charlotte and drive up. You can fly into uh, Atlanta and drive. Atlanta's a little far. But from Charlotte to there, it's three and a half hours, right? It's a nice drive. So availability, people can go to. Both are great. Charlotte, LAX, both big hubs, right? LAX obviously being bigger. The the the, the advantage that PNB has is it's under a roof. And you're always yeah. going to have yeah. a race, right? Yeah. And you, it was yeah, incredible weather there. It was like the yeah. best weather there. And I'm like, why do we have this weather at DNC? So obviously Joey can't control that. But what what Joey has, he has DNC. It's 23, 23 years old. It's it's probably considered one of the most highest ranking races in the world because of because it has an international flair. But PMB, it 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 doesn't it gets the people it needs from the surrounding areas. And people came this year, they laid everything out on the on the table. You get two qualifiers, this happens, and people came. Less people than last year, but I think they were comfortable with what they had this year. So I think, um, and I know people like that went to DNC and left. Like literally they tell me, yeah, we left. We went up there and then we just said, no, it's too cold. And they went Vegas and then they came yeah. to PNB, you know, but that's nothing to do with them. Uh, I think they're both two races that everybody should go to. Uh, PNB this year was definitely good. I enjoyed it. it. He, Dave put in, you know, he puts in the show. I, 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 I do give him that. And I think he puts on the best 10 scale races. Sorry. Indoor races like this. Um, And I think they're both easy to go to. I think you should both, if you want to go to any of them, go to both. Yeah. I think the I, one thing you have thing, with PNB is you will always have a race. Yeah, but I, to be honest, I well, I can't say this because I never went to AMS or the others. But I like looking at it right now. Like if I were to go to a race in America, I definitely much rather do AMS than. PMB well, that's because you like the PMB. schedule, right? You like you like how the race well, is. No, no, not only that, but to be honest, like the PMB venue, uh, like I, I, I see other race time events, and at least from what that I hear, smaller. what I see, well, yeah, PMB is I, way I, bigger. Like, so yeah. the, the, I've been to AMS, and it's small. It's about half. But I the think size like of... at, at DNC, like the, or sorry, the PMB, like for me, the main issue was just that it was so dark. You know, the lighting is so bad. Right. Was a little better oh. this year. The only issue that happens is when when you're like, so it's weird when it's raining or it's humid outside. That nitro fog sits there. Yeah, it's, it's, it isn't it's, as bad. It, it isn't as bad as it looks on tap. I will say this: it, when I go in there and see it, it's not as bad as it is. Yeah, but it looks when I was there, when I was there, it was it was like it was pretty bad in the mains. To be honest, like that's right. for me, like because 
I like love racing outdoors. So that's like a big bummer because Neo is a great example where it was indoors, yes, but they opened up the walls so they, it would actually leave some like sunlight in. The fumes would go out and it was actually really, really nice to drive indoors. Right, but the this doesn't have it. Like, they had the doors open. I know, it's, I know. During, I know. Like, during when it, the first day we was there, it was kind of rainy and it was yeah. the humidity just locks that stuff in. But once yeah. it, yeah. it was not as bad as it looked on television. No. Yeah, I know, but yeah, but it, it's, it's still one of the issues why not a huge fan of. But that's most know, indoor races you go to. It's the same at, it's the yeah. same for Silver State. The only time but you're not going to have that issue is when you have races like Wicked Weekend or yeah. races like uh, this North Georgia shootout where they're under a roof, yeah. but the slides are open. And that, for me, yeah, but that's, that that, that's what I'm saying. Like, from my perspective, going to both PMB and DNC before, like, right now, if I go to a race, I'd go to Wicked Weekend or AMS. Like, just because of the fact that, Wicked like... Weekend's a great race to go to, too. Yeah, I don't know if AMS has better ventilation, if it has the same issues. It's but, very much... It's small. I've, trust me, I'm in there on a... Yeah, but I don't mind... I don't mind... I don't I don't mind small. Like I don't mind the track size at all, but it's just like the atmosphere of the you know the building itself. Like you, obviously the PMB you, you, you PMB can outside. Like, the best thing about AMS, you can put outside. And you can put right outside on yeah, the roof yeah. and you can just walk right in. You do not I yeah. do not want to be, be pitting inside. And I you know what? I was actually like we used to pit inside a PMB, but they don't do that no more and everybody's not in the barn. All right, yeah. so that's what I, yeah. I I still I don't know, man. I still like both races, to be honest. I really I mean, enjoy. Yeah, Kobe. I'd like to like I'd like to go back to BNB like now because the, I I bet a lot of stuff changed. Oh, I think everybody but, wants you to come back to PNB. Yeah, I don't know. I I'd like to go. Sh- sh- one, we got a question about that because somebody asked you about okay. your racing. Hold on, we go. Okay, moving okay. on. Good question though, Kyle. Uh, hope to see you soon. I think I will. Lucas Lauren, great recap of him last week. Uh, what are why are the names of chassis so boring? They're they're all just letters and numbers. Every manufacturer is like this. Well, I have my buddy Isaac Paulson came out. He says, if I ever make a tire, I'm gonna call it the Paulsonator. Best name ever. So what yeah. you know what? Let's make up a few names for cars. So let's call it Mayako what? What are we calling it Mayako? Not an MX8. What we're we gonna call it. Um well Mayako. I like Kyosho. It's like Inferno, you know? Oh, right, right, Inferno. Yeah. Uh Kyosho that was cool. has a good one. Uh, Mugen, Mugen never Mugen really had one. Boring. X-ray. X-ray doesn't even. Oh, it has XBA. Yeah, but some. It's like X-ray has like probably the worst ones. They they have so like just. I think X-ray. it's hard coming up with names. Yeah. Like the um, HB. It, yeah, it, it definitely. Eight, HB is D eight nineteen. I don't know. You know what? Here we go. Here is for all those guys, everybody that's listening to this, leave some uh, leave some names of cars, companies in the comments. What do you think they yeah. should be? But I do like, you know, like my favorite car name ever is the Inferno. I think it's MP777. Like that's such a cool car name. I thought the Inferno Burns was cool. Yeah, I think it's called Inferno MP777. I don't know. I don't know. But that's you know like that's like the one prior to the um, MP9. Yes. Like seven 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 sounds so cool. You know? It's kind of like like six 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 would obviously be a bit cooler, but seven 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 is like the corporate cool, you know? Six 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 would have caused riots. Um, yeah, I know. That's why like corporate corporate cool would be like seven seven seven. 
I don't know. And Inferno, like that's just cr- like Inferno six six six. Could you imagine if that was the name of a Kyosho back yeah, in the that, that yeah time? that like that's too much, you know? Inferno and six six six. You have to be like corporate and absolute. Inferno MP seven seven seven. I have to say, so far of the cars I know, that has to be the best ones. Like Schumacher does, like Cougar, Cat, Cat. Cougar, yeah, yeah. But recently they just went to like L one, LD two, like you know that kind of stuff. So they went to Good the boring route as well. Good question. Yeah. We need some names. We want some names from the. Put on the, the comments list. your favorite RC car name. I want to hear some because in the back in the old days there was like some cool ones, like RC ten. Like that's probably the coolest of the. Just the letter ones, but MP seven 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 is my favorite because it's Inferno MP seven seven seven. Okay. Okay. Um, you're gonna have the super athlete too. Oh time. yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Maybe they should go back to the athlete name. Losi had eight spelled out. That, I like that. That's that. Was, I that did. Was I hated it. I think like branding wise, it's brilliant. I don't, know. I don't know. I I thought it was, and then like the eight in the logo, like the E was like an eight. So it was like eight and then IE. It brought me back memories of Skate TV and Nickelodeon. They spelled Skate S K eight. Yeah, but I don't know. I hated the eight. I I was so happy when they like switched to. Well, I liked Losi, but I hated the eight. Okay. To me, that was the worst. We have an interesting MP9, question. MP nine and MP seven 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 seven. Those those are like my favorites, but yeah. Yeah, inner Kyosho fanboy coming out. Well, JQ no, had. I've never no, even listen, listen, JQ, JQ had. So JQ Raisin had the white edition, black edition, yellow edition, the car. Uh, L- yeah, LV I did, edition. I like so it, they had names. All right, next question. Yeah. So this is something we're going to watermelon seed and we're going to do it good, but it's a great question. What do you think separates guys at the top, like Fens, Mayfield, Toronto Fox, and Garos, et cetera, from the rest, basically the f- f- top five to 15? Racing packet, practice, talent, experience, time. How can these mid and ladder pack guys move up? How would an average racer who can't dedicate all their time to racing to be able to improve versus those track rats, folks who basically live at the track all the time, when perhaps racing while in, when perhaps racing while in gerbil isn't their life because family, house, work, etc. come first. So, okay, I'm going to say this. These RC racers at these top levels, the Ronafunks, the Ungaros, the Mayfields, the Fens, you know, and the up, you know, Tebos and Cavaliers for many years that they were, and that we've seen over the years, and these young kids that are coming up, it's no different than LeBron James or Michael Jordan or these guys in basketball or Joe Montana, Tom Brady, these type of greats in 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 football. Or if you if you're a soccer fan, uh, Lionel Messi, Ronaldo, Sergio Aguero, who's my favorite, or like a Holland, I have to throw in Manchester City, Wayne Rooney, bleh, United, um, all these type of guys that come around and they're better than people, right? They're better than their average players. They just have a skill. Well, this is just no different. It's just RC. There's it's no different. These guys have a skill set. They have a talent. They have a mindset that allows them because it's 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 mental too. They have a mindset that allows them to be better. These these guys ain't spending hours and hours at the track. I can tell you that they do go do some testing. They do stuff, but if you if you look at it like that, if you can think of it that these guys on that level where some professionals are just better 
than their counterparts. And they don't, and they seem to just keep continue to excel the more they do it. It's just that. It's just they're very talented. They work hard and they have a mindset that puts them above that other percentage. And there's five to 15 guys have to have to chase them. Like they have to catch them. They have to beat them and they have to make money doing it at the same time. And they might have other things going on. They might have family. They might have, you know, look at Tebow now with JTP and family. All that adds up, you know. And we're starting to see, I think we're starting to see Mayfield adding up with family and getting older. Maybe his vision isn't as good, you know, on these bigger tracks. But if you can think about that, why isn't everybody on LeBron James in, in basketball? Why? Because he was special, right? There's, why, there's not many on Zara's because he's special. Mayfield, he's special. Yeah. Like, these guys are special. And these up-and-coming racers still have to beat them. Now, they are coming, but there's plenty of 22, 20, 22 you know, 21-year-olds to 30-year-olds that would have, could have, should have, right, in RC. Well, it's no different. It's, it's millions of those in basketball, football, soccer, uh, Formula One racing, all this type of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's and, like, I think it's just, like, there's always some kind of a bell curve of, like, you take a random sample of humans and put them here. Some of them are just going to be really, really good. Most of them are going to be average. And, uh, you know, most some of them are going to be really, really bad. You know, it's like, that's like, no matter what you do, if you just take a random sample of people, that will always happen, no matter how big, how small. Obviously, in RC, like, preparation, especially in age scale, like, like preparation is really key. Like I'd say Degani isn't as talented as like some other world champions, but he is just much more, he was much more prepared. Like Cody King, I'd say he was, he had the talent, but then he didn't have like the, the longevity of it. But then again, like Tessman in 2014, Maybe not the absolute fastest guy in the world. Like let's let's compare to Ongaro in 2018. But Tesman had like the, his program was really good. They put a lot of effort into it. They were prepared. They did everything right. You know. So there's there's things you can do, but in the end, it's like you need some level of talent. You need some level of preparation, and there will always be you know these superstars and. In any sport, there's like that one guy who's just like so much better than everyone else. And then there's that one guy who does really well at certain conditions and certain mm-hmm, circumstances. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. When they have like everything on their side, like preparation wise and so on. So it's, it's just about, I don't think it's any different from other things. And it's just like, and it's so many guys out there that, yeah. I, so here's something I, I, so when any, anybody says to me, like, what about like, me and Chris have talked about this personally. And look, man, her is the bottom fucking line. Like, I, I hate to be brunt. What not? Just because you're good at RC cars doesn't mean you're going to do it for a living. Right. It's very far, oh, yeah. few, far, few and far between that do this for a living. And I'll be honest with you. Most of the people probably couldn't even afford to do this for a living. And the pressure is, I keep talking about this, right? Because I want people to understand this. Um, there's plenty of people out there that were good in basketball in their neighborhoods and probably were really good and made it made it to college or something, but never really made the NBA, you know? 
And they'll always have, oh, I, if only I would have done this, I would have done that. Well, I've come to the conclusion that people that are in places because they're supposed to be there, right? Yeah. You, I mean, there's obviously a few outliers everywhere. Of course. Listen, yeah. when somebody says to me, oh, this person, I just say one name, Neil Craig. He is a semi-pro racer who competes on a pro level with European championships in his book and has done so for, what, 20-plus oh, years world, on the same? world champion. Yeah, world champion. Has done this while holding down uh, another career, like a full-time career. So when I heard this from people, like I heard this, like, oh, if I just had more time to practice and do the... If you want it, you, f- you figure out a way. I, I, I'm kind of with JQ on this. If you want it, you'll figure out a way to do it. And if you don't want it, you'll just make excuses why you don't. And I also will yeah. say this. Some people just have it, and some people don't. Yeah, like, I don't care how hard you work, you may never have that last little edge to become. You might be knocking. There's plenty of guys that are knocking on the door, like knocking on the door, but they're still way back in line. Like you know what I mean? They're like, hey, I'm knocking, but I'm way back here. And at that, when the stars are aligned and everything's cool and everything's good, how they can put in and probably compete with the best of them, but they can't do it at every race. And the excuse, I. I think people need to stop making excuses and just do it. And if you ain't going to do it, if you ain't going to do it, just understand that this is going to be. Jeff Keaton always said something, right? Never knew what he, what he meant when he said this. And he says, he thinks that the, the hobby has gotten too serious. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking on a pro level, like, no, like we need this, but it definitely has gotten too serious on a non pro level. Right. On certain, on certain, Genres, 10 scale, 8 scale, two of them, the biggest ones, right? So I think people just need to get back to being good and enjoying the sport and enjoying the hobby and being happy with their results. Yes, you always want to be do better, but your life and your livelihood doesn't depend on that. And did you do you really want it to depend on that? You know, and yeah, it's 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 something we like, yeah, it's something we talked about before in the podcast, like. A lot of people have this idea that you do RC to get sponsored, to get pro, you know, that. Instead of doing it, hey, I want to finish. Like you you talked about this before, where instead of setting goals for getting sponsored, making a living out of it, set goals for, you know, where you want to finish at the race. And we talked about like, this last week. Yeah, th- that's like that's like a big cultural thing mostly that – that can separate, you know, like the people who just have fun, even though they might not do as well as they like, from the people who think like, hey, I want to make it to pro and so on. And I think, you know, it's it's actually better to have the attitude of, I'm just going to this race, trying to make the best I can. And if it happens that I do well, then maybe I look at, you know, making it pro. Even if you want to make it pro, that's a better attitude in my opinion. Like, just put the effort in where you can drive as the best of yourself, not to prove anything, but, you know, have have the fun, have the results that, or have the, um, how, how would I say, it? have the performance that you are capable of. That's, in my opinion, the most valuable. Exactly. And when we're talking about one, these Ongaros, Ronafox, Mayfields, these guys aren't normal. They're abnormal. In this hobby, yeah, this it's, it's like there's normal. You don't go find these guys yeah. on the block. Like yeah. these guys there's have got something that somebody, yeah, like just like Lionel Messi is 
good at football, soccer. Yeah. He's got something that somebody else, just like LeBron James, Michael Jordan were good at basketball. Tom Brady was good at quarterback. They had something that others don't. That's put them above it. And yeah, yeah. It's you but can't I bottle think, that up. Yeah. <laughs> you can't but bottle think, that up and do yeah. there there still is like you can win a world championships, even a world championship, even though you aren't uh, a Ronafok or a Fend or an Ongaro. You know, one of those guys who just clearly has a lot of talent. You know, there's it's like you cannot argue against the fact that Fenn winning his first war nationals at like what? I think he was under 18 at that time. Like he won one year, he won like nine war nationals, um, like in covering like 10 scale and eight scale classes. And the same with Ronifal winning the Euros at I think it was 15, 16. Uh, Ongaro winning the worlds as the youngest driver in eight scale, I believe. You know, there's like undeniable talent and like those i think if you look in at like no one's gonna get to that unless you have the talent already like no matter what how much work you do like you cannot be as good in the way they are you have to do some other things better you have to think smarter have better racecraft so on you know so there's like there's those few outliers that you should have really even like I, i think those are just like they are what they are and then it after is. that, then we can like discuss like what is the difference. But even even those guys, I mean, a lot can, of them, we can have a whole rant about this. But we're not. Yeah, we've ranted but about think, Yeah, I think like well, I don't know what the angle is of this question. Like, if the angle is like a guy who wins intermediate at like DNC or PMB. No, 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 no. What it who, is? What it is? It's there's plenty of people like so. There's lots of. There's lots of guys out there that are fast regionally and probably on the cusp of knocking on some of these A-mains around the world, right? And you heard this, you heard this, well, you either heard, well, I need this, or I need a better deal, or I need this to be successful, or I need that, or I need travel, and I need that. And people always want before they earn, you got to earn that stuff, right? And I don't think it's, yes, obviously, when you have circumstances where you can't practice as much as you want to and stuff like that, I understand that, but it, it just kind of is what it is, man. I mean, other people have had to overcome that too, you know? Yeah. And I think I can definitely feel for people who feel like that. But I think at the same time, people have to take a real deep look at themselves and say, well, is it really because I can't practice no more? Or have I just reached my limit? You know, is this is where I'm going to be? If this is my plateau. This is where I am. I'm happy with it. Now, if you gonna, now if you think you're going to be better, and you want to do this full time, then you need to go out there and put 125% into it and believe in yourself and go do it. And if you can, at the end of the time, if you don't do it, you can say, I put all my, all my, all, my all into it. But it's yeah. hard when you go, when you start making, like, you just, you, no excuses. Like, you put your all into it. You ran, you did all this traveling, you did all this stuff, and you somehow got it done or you didn't. That's just what it comes down to at the end of the day. Simple as that. You either do yeah. it or you don't. If you want it bad enough, you'll figure out how to do it. Yeah. And also, you got to understand that not everybody can be one. Not everybody can be a pro. Try. And it's, and it's like I've noticed it a lot. Like, it's it's mostly about attitude. You know, if your attitude is like, oh, I need to make it to pro, I need to make it to pro, or I need to do this and this and this, it's not gonna work out. You know, you have to have an approach like that. You just go going out there, getting better, and like. Focusing on what you're doing, focusing on what you can do better, 
you know, and that's the only way to like any driver, like even in the finish level, like all of you the drivers who like actually put like the thought into it, they do well, you know. I'm watermelon seeding you. Okay, okay, we're good. But like, let's say, like, you, beat that one. you know what? I, the point of watermelon seed is like stopping, right? Okay, not to say okay, okay and keep on going. <laughs> I was just gonna conclude, dude. But your conclusion, but I mean. No, Go ahead. But, uh, yeah, pretty much just that it's more mental than anything actually restricting. That was kind of I the agree. point. I agree. I, was I agree. I, I think you can still do 10,000 laps and still not be good enough. Just like, yeah, like, if you do practice some 10,000 times, like, yeah. man, you could practice 10,000 layups and still not be good yeah. as, as LeBron. You'd be good, it's but better, you wouldn't be as good as yeah. It's better LeBron's up to do 10,000 layups. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's better to, it's better to think. For a while, then to do ten more laps. It's better to enjoy this for what it is, yeah. and stop trying to, and and stop and and enjoy it. I think if more people came in and enjoyed RC racing for what it is, and it's it's yes, results are important to some people, but it's the atmosphere, it's being at a race, it's the mechanical side, it's all that type of stuff. There's so much more to RC racing than results. So. I agree with you there. All right, Max, we have to get through some more questions. We're going to have to be kind of fast because we have quite a lot. Brandon Shells, Max, overall opinion on the Techno e-buggy. Techno e-buggy. Um, it's, so, it's it's better than their Nitro buggy in, in, if you're looking at straight up like results, results. and uh, like what people think of it. I think it's down to just like um, lower center of gravity, um, and so on, more drag brake comes down the car compared to Nitro where the car is already quite sensitive of power. And uh, yeah, I think it's just, and also like the car naturally doesn't carry a lot of corner, corner speed. So when you have more power available to you, you can take advantage of the point and shoot style that the car prefers. Whereas in Nitro, you don't always have the power. You have to maintain some sort of corner speed. So yeah, that's. Right. I think it's it's a it's a better car than the nitro, but I wouldn't say it's 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 like I don't know. I wouldn't say it's one of the best. I think there are better e buggies out there. Their e truggy is damn good. That's for sure. Uh, the truggy, the techno truggy is definitely one of the best truggies. Brendan Hong from Canada. Is there a specific break-in fuel? What? If so, what's the difference? Is it okay to break in with one brand of fuel then run a different brand after break in? Um, I don't know any specific fuel. Um, I mean, most people there try to stick with. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what. My body used to always say, like, put a little extra caster in my break in fuel, the first couple of bottles. I've broken in engines. I've rebroken an engine in the pits at a nationals, and it ran, and that ran, engine lasted gallons. Um, no, I don't think there's any specific 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 break-in fuel. Maybe some fuel with a little bit more oil um, yeah. than a than a race land. And I've look, dude. I I think in one race, I think I put three different types of fuel in my tank. You know what I mean? Because I didn't yeah. have my fuel, and I had to borrow some other fuel and put it. I was dead last. It didn't matter. But I don't think it's as some people. Eh, I don't think it's that big of a deal switching fuel like that if you break it in with one type of fuel and you use another type of fuel i don't think you'll see a difference to, that much of a difference that's my opinion well i mean I you'll definitely you'll definitely have to change the two that's like that is a given with changing the fuel 
Um, generally, um, if you run a good fuel, you shouldn't need a braking fuel, to be honest. Um, there are some brands that have a, a separate braking fuel, but not a lot of brands offer it, I think. And um, it's usually the difference is, is that it just has more oil, like you said. Um, to be honest, um, it, it like it's not gonna ruin your engine or change your life, but <laughs> if you look into the like specifics, like in the braking phase, what you're kind of trying to do is to surface finish the mm -hmm. cylinder and the piston and what type of oil and how much of it and what what type of fuel you're running that's going to affect how that surface finish is done and if you change the fuel that has a different type of oil uh different type of chemicals in it it might not you know it might not work as well in the long term you know it might wear out the engine quicker um and so on so I suggest you like find a fuel and just use that for everything. And yeah, I don't know if it's, I've never done this myself, but some people say they just drop a little bit of caster in, in the braking fuel. But I don't know. To, to be honest, I've been fine, fine running, just a uh, good running fuel. But it's, I think the biggest thing is just in general, just have good fuel. I agree with you. I agree with you. All right, Max. So this is going to be a little science moody. It's about 10 scale Schumacher cars. I did tag you in this so you can ask Pecco. I didn't ask him. But okay. So if you don't know the answer, we're going to say you don't know the answer. But Stuart Clem wants to know, I raced two-wheel drive 10 scale Schumacher LD2s on an oiled outdoor clay. In certain areas of the track, the surface of the track appears to be polished due to the number of cars packing the surface down over time. This has made these areas very low grip, especially when the track temperatures are low. What adjustments should I look to do to reduce oversteer in mid-corner and to corner exit? And he goes, I have the new L1R rear hubs, which have hub height adjustment. Max, you give him the simple answer to this. Okay. So, Watermelon seed invoked. Okay. So in general... Um, lower hub position is pretty good at this. It will um, keep the car more stuck to the ground on exit, especially when the surface is smooth. Um, another one is um, well, this kind of is kind of tricky, but generally um, moving the shock inside on the arm uh, that generally helps with this. It's not a given, but in general, I have preferred it. And then uh, one, in my opinion, the, my favorite type of to solve it is to move the hub forward so that you have a lot of angle on the on the drive shaft. That, for me, is, in my opinion, probably the best way um, to increase speed uh, or increase traction reattraction going out of the corners and um, yeah those are probably like the general tips uh specifically off the car i don't know i didn't have time to ask Pecco, but next yeah. time you'll ask Pecco. there you okay. go you will ask Pecco. all right good question though Stuart. we will come back to that with some information from Pecco, the fastest fin <laughs> it's okay <laughs> 
Uh, Sean Duffy, he wants to know about this 13-millimeter versus 2-millimeter shock diameter craze going on in 10 scale. What do you think about this, Max? Is it is I, the 13-millimeter worth the, the extra oil and weight? Well, I, I, I'm pretty sure I talk about it just like a few podcasts back. Right, but, but let's put it in a I quick can, layman's terms because I, I can, I've still gotten two and I want to know. Okay, so basically 13 millimeter, you have less pressure change of the effect of the shaft going into a shock. And then 12 millimeter, it's the opposite. So it's smaller volume when the shaft goes in, uh, piston goes up, shaft goes in. Um, a higher percentage of the volume is used, so that means the pressure is increased more. Uh, like, yeah, just more pressure increase once the shaft goes in. So generally, you have a more numb shock in, in track. You feel it's better on bumps, um, but downsides uh, more weight, especially the weight is up top. And um, well, Keenan's last time I talked about this, Keenan's biggest worry was you're going to use more shock oil. <laughs> so I guess that's a downside too. But um, I'd say um, from what I've heard from Yona and uh, these guys with the new associated so- shocks, um, it's better over bumps, um, better on lower grip, um, but then on carpet, on higher grip, the 12 millimeter might be better. Um, I personally do like the smaller shocks just for the principle of like we don't need that huge shocks. You but, are a fan of the small shocks. I remember yeah, this. But I remember but this for for a general consumer, uh probably the 13 millimeter shocks are a better option, more calm and it's easier to drive. But if you're running 12 millimeter shocks, I don't think it's it's worth it to just buy the 13 millimeter shock. It's not a game changer in my opinion. Okay. Douglas Reeks wants to know what's your, I know you're not going to have a good answer for this because you don't run much e-buggy, but he wants to know what's up, Douglas. I haven't spoken to you for a while. Max's top three ESC and motor combos for e-buggy. Um, well, working at a hobby shop, which sells you know. <laughs> electronics you know. for e-buggies, uh, hobby wing generally has been, um, uh, the most, most common choice and what people like the most. Um, I have never ran a Maclan myself, but, um, uh, those ones have, have, like, I've heard from people that they have pretty good trial feel, but that's, that, that's kind of a long shot, but hobby wing, I can say it's pretty comfortable choice. There has been some issues with, uh, cold weather and, um, I heard from like the Netherlands, they had lots of issues because they're running quite cold and moist. So there was a few people having issues with the ESCs. But other than that, I, Hobby Wing is probably the safest choice. And then, yeah, McLaren, I've heard good things of, but that I cannot, that strictly vouch for. To it be honest, the most popular there, is actually uh, Hobby Wing and Tekken. Yeah, but the thing is, Tekken. I've heard. And I heard the same thing, dude. And I got a Tekken Gen 2 that I have a Chicken Gen 2 that I think still works because I haven't yeah. used it for a long time. But it's like, I get it. I get it. Yeah. You know what? Here's, here's what I've learned. So I'm going to throw in a plug right here for this. Here's what I've learned about ESEs and motors and all this type of stuff. It's about protection, right? Um, 
I think that's the biggest thing. You know, we saw uh, a car burst into flames at PNB after it flat landed uh, off the jump, right? So I'm going to throw a shameless plug out to my boy, Brent, at RC Body Armor. Brent uh, Jackson, I believe his name is. He's got some pretty cool stuff. He's got... Uh, so the thing you want to do with these ESCs is put some protection between them and the chassis. He has this like foam. It's like a double-sided foam. You glue it to... It's about that thick. And you glue it to the bottom of the ESC, cut it out, and then you glue it to your wherever you're putting it. And it just provides... He said he's been using it for quite a long time. No shock. I know a lot of people put a bunch of double-sided tape, use Kyosho tape. He swears on this. I'm going to try it on my Techno MT410. He also has a pad for underneath the motor to prevent that. And he has in the bottom of the the where the batteries go. So I think that is a... I think in for things lasting a long time, that's important. So check them out at RC Body Armor. He'll send you a kit. I think we need. I mean, no. I mean, I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. And yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I I always use a bunch of double sided. So tape I I think I think that that technology is what's missing in, and you know, we just need to make yeah. this stuff a little more reliable and, in, and last yeah. longer. Yeah. In general, right. though, like it's hard to like say buy this. Like Hobby Wing is the only one I can say like, hey, this is like I right. would buy this myself. You used to use because, LRP stuff too. Yeah, LRP. I pretty much only had issues with I don't believe they have updated much so not not I cannot vouch for that really some people run it but uh, I gotta say it has quite a bit of issues um, yeah Maclan and the and yeah Tekin actually yeah those ones have had lots of issues so McLaren right. and Hobbywing, those are the only two I would personally put my money into right now. Um, I, I'm trying out another brand right now, uh, but yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I was talking about a, a cheap brand too. Uh, my buddy was telling me about it for Motors. So yeah. we shall see. Yeah, there's lots of like smaller brands. Uh-huh. I'm trying one right now when at, as, as soon as the as soon as the tracks get open, uh, I'll know more. But I haven't run it yet. Um, All right. Alan Placer yeah. says, I love that hat, Lefty. I do too. I, I rejuvenated it. I need to get another fitted hat. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna we got a question coming up here. Uh we're not gonna take too long on it because we have a few more and we're already going too long for this. And your camera's gonna turn off very soon. Uh yeah. Wayne Long, should anyone who receives contingency money from a company be considered a pro? I think so. A discount is just that, but a check or cash other than a, a race prize should be pro level. So we had this conversation. Um once about Cody when JQ gave him like hundred dollars for doing finishing fifth at uh, RCGP. So JQ Racing has had a contingency program for anybody that races a JQ. Well, yeah. back then, anybody raced it for anybody at any level. I, I know this is in response to the RPP, which I think is a great idea. But no, you aren't a pro. You just like if if you was a pro and you 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 made three hundred dollars for that weekend, then you're gonna be a broke pro. Um. Yeah. It's. It's. So yeah. I don't. I don't. Not, I, I. You yeah, know what it is. Different. Here's what it is. Here's what it is. I am about RP. I like RPP. It's. It's working. It, it's for anybody that runs those products. It's not for sponsored people. You don't have to be sponsored by them enough, and you're just running it, right? It puts what people don't like about it is it puts responsibility for your deal on you. Now I get this guy's tip. He's saying, "Well, they're, they're making money from a dot pro." I, th- I obviously think it's a difference. You know, that guy who 
finished on the on the podium and the sportsman A man is not a pro caliber driver. He's just a sportsman guy. He used yeah. some pro line tires or AKA tires and he got 150 bucks. Yeah, and the thing is like um well one guy who's running Mayako and he ended up winning the DNC e buggy. Chris Morali. Chris Morali, yeah. So basically he's just a guy who Nagani got contingency from RPP as well. Yeah. So Chris and Degani are guys who have a real job. They race uh once in a while at these big races, and they're really like good drivers. But for example, Chris. I don't believe he has any tire sponsor. So he runs whatever he has in his bag. So it might be that at some race he runs ProLine and gets a few hundred, you know, dollars from the RPP program. You know, so that doesn't make him a pro. It just makes him a guy who happened to win or be in a podium at one race. Or same with Degani, you know, he's not a pro. Definitely not. He it was at barely one point, does but it's not yeah, but like he he races once or twice a year, and he's like sixty years old soon. So it's like <laughs> it's it's he doesn't he he's out of any count. So yeah, definitely not so. the same thing. And I, I think, don't think so. I think, I think what's just, more harmful is everybody throwing out these deals and thinking they're pro. You know? Yeah, to me, That's like the discount, me. like I think discount would be the. Like I would consider a discount more to be a pro because you actually have a contract with the company that you will race for their products, effectively do work for them by promoting online mm-hmm. and so on. When you get contingency money, all you do is just race it and make a post, and then you get. What the if money. the what if the race has contingency money, and you win it? Yeah, that's yeah, but I mean that's. But, but I, I get his point. I get his point though. He does bring up a point, yeah. and I've heard this before. I just don't agree with it. Yeah, I, I I think I think when you write a contract, then it's different, you know. And unfortunately, we have a lot of these contract customer things, where you're with a contract, you're tied to one company, but you're forced to pay for the things you use, you know, which yeah. is a silly thing. Like, other I'm gonna, do it I'm too. gonna, I mean, other industries do it, but it's it's just like, to yeah, me, it's. it's- uh, it's a weird, you know, way. I just think that I understand this gentleman's point because I've heard this before. And I think when you, this is when you, your pro driver, when you're, you're making a salary from companies yeah. to drive, that's my opinion. And this, this just comes down to what I always say is that we need a definitive line between pro and Joe. That's it. All right. No more beating yeah, but, that horse. Yeah. But one thing I want to say is, it shouldn't be about pro and Joe. It should be about a certain skill level and average skill level. You know, it's it shouldn't be about who gets paid what, who gets like. It shouldn't be about money in any way. It should be about skill level purely. And I think that's like the way they did it at DNC, where if your lap times match with the top fifteen of pro or whatever it was, then you just get straight up transferred to pro. I think that's good. That's how you should. It should be purely on skill. Nothing to right. do with money or whatever. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. All right. So we have some Instagram questions. Good question, though, Wayne. You have, you're not the first person to ask me that question. So uh, I agree. We have two questions, uh, three questions from Instagram. Phew. Uh, first from FA7BoyRC. He wants to know two questions. Is reverse shocks going to be the new trend we see 
and die in a year. And he also asked, does the Invisible Speed book suit me as a Tenski eraser? Yes, I think it does. And what do you think about the reverse shocks? I see that the holes had a reply. I have I started watching. I didn't watch it all. I have to watch the rest of it. But uh, do you think we see the Invisibles? Oh, sorry, the 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 reverse Shirer shocks uh, going away? I don't know. I think you'll at least stay for a while with the associated crew, just because of the popularity of it. Like the top European guys are running it, and just a few days ago, like Rivkin posted a video of he was running it. So I it's, think it know, it's gonna stay. go. It's gonna go viral. It's gonna. Yeah, it's gonna be it's everywhere. Like everyone's gonna try it. But to be honest, like when like these European guys figure out the way to get the car good without running the shocks upside down. Um, then people just switch back slowly. I think it's kind of like there was this like again on my channel. There's a video about body shells, the history of like body shells in RC, and it's crazy because everyone was running a cap forward design like from 2020 to 2010 to like 2014 around, and then when Testman won with the Type R, then everyone went to those cap backward body shells, and mm-hmm. then. Back to 2018, everyone had switched back to cap forward. Lexan wings, yeah, Lexan wing was one wings was one thing where it came out, then it went away, and now it's back again. Like everyone, no, just like, X-ray drivers, well, it's, just X-ray drivers. And actually, one thing is like it's not made of Lexan, but that style of wing, like Beta made it, and now everyone's running it. And I bet like some drivers will go back to the normal wing. It's it's like these things are just like crazes that will come back and. Like go well, away. RC goes and it, it goes and comes, right? The fans come in, go out, and come back. Yeah, it, we've seen it many times. So, I, I think if it's working, and then you see Rivkin and guys, it's just gonna. I guarantee you, if I go carpet nets next weekend, oh, everyone's the shocks. Yeah, but you know what? Go check out the the go check out the Hall's response to JQ. I think I have not watched it all. I started. I will check it out. I like them guys doing good stuff. All right, so Max, this is going to keep it short and sweet. Josh Grant, 37-37. Can Max back up any of his shit talking about Americans? Come race here and he would get slapped. The challenge has been set to you. The gauntlet. I have, you've been I smacked have, in the face with the gauntlet. Uh, apart, like, I, I have been to America um, three times. First time was the Worlds in 2016. Uh, then I, I didn't do very well. But it was the Worlds, so it's not... American race, to be honest, it's a if one world, you know. Second time I came was the DNC uh, 2018, and I raced in the intermediate class and I won it. Okay, so I couldn't do better. Like, I could have stepped up. You were very fast that weekend. Yeah. And you were very fast. And then the next time was PNB. Um, I you hadn't raced. Huh? You made the A main. Yeah, I, I, I finished, I think. Top 10, 10 in qualifiers. And uh, last time I touched an eight scale car was six months before. Like the first laps I ran with an eight scale car in the six months was the practice on Friday. Uh, more than six months. I think you just like, need to come to America and race. We need to figure yeah. Look, you know what? We're going to do that. We're going to get you to America. We're going to get a dunking stool. We're going to pay. You can pay $5. You get three chances. And then we're going to have, <laughs> then after all you're getting dunked. You know, we pay for your plane ticket and everything to come there. Then we're going to sit you in the corner and we're going to have you there sipping a cup of tea. Ask me anything. When is, when is, uh, when is Wicked Weekend? July. 
July, June, July. When is uh, AMS? I want to say November. November. Mm-hmm. It's tough. I like. Dude, I need to. Ty wants to race you. Guys want to race you. Even Isherwood said Max has to race. But the thing is, I won't be racing any of these guys commenting on YouTube, you know, or Facebook or Instagram. Drop down to intermediate. Ooh, that would. No, but that's I. That's I mean I don't pay for my stuff, so. I think if you drop down to intermediate, we'd get kicked out of the race. Oh, but like I like yeah, I I, I'm not I'm I cannot race intermediate, you know. Like I'm 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 beating Peck and Johan and jq in finland and these guys still make like i don't you know what we're gonna stop with finland it's got now we gotta go neutral ground yeah it's always about if you do it this year then okay we'll, we'll continue but then you might be only fast in finland you know that's that's what happens you know everybody's challenging you max yeah i mean they, 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 I, I, the thing I is like i want since, to go i haven't seen you race since rcgp yeah 2019 rcgp yeah it's been a while since i like 2019 RCGP is actually the last time I raced abroad. I think so. You, yeah, you didn't do no races if you associated. Yeah, because COVID hit right after that. Yeah, oh, it was like after after that, I went to the military for then, six months, and then it was COVID. And then since I joined, since I joined uh, Mayako, I started school. So I get you to race. All right, two more questions. Okay. Couple more questions, then we're gonna move on. We're definitely going too long. Uh I don't know how to say this guy's name. He wants to know, does Mayako plan to pick up a hot gun in the U.S. now that Tebow won't be full-time next year? I don't know what Mayako's plan is. I don't are. think. I, 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 to be honest, like I think that's not, like, I don't know about Mayako's intentions right now because it seems like both uh, Robert and Tebow was kind of like, where Robert was probably more um, pre-thought, but Tebow seemed like a, kind of a surprise move, even mm. like, for both sides. last minute? Last, yeah, kind of a last minute move. Um, so I know for a fact that they're like Mayaka wants to pick, you know, an American guy, like a top driver. I don't think there's any good ones available, really. Like the ones that fit the brand are really good. What would you well, think? They're gonna what? have to carry, they're gonna have to carry a brand, you know, that's gonna take a lot. Yeah, that's the but thing. Like, you will obviously, yeah, if they, I was assigned somebody. It would be team fuller all the way, and that would be it. And then yeah, but that's would... hard because, like, this, like, Mayako offers fullers a deal. Like, there's no reason HP want to let them go. Like, I'd rather, if I was HP, I'd rather let Cole go completely and pay fullers double, like, than to let them go. No, but like, I'm just being like, can you argue against yes. that? You effectively have two brothers that are winning races, and Cole who. I mean, it's making big mains, but sometimes struggles a lot, you know? Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm sorry nice. if I offend someone, but you cannot argue that I'm I'm wrong. You know, it, I'm like, would you not put your monies in Fuller's than Ogden? Uh, this, yeah, I, I, I would have to, yeah. Yeah. You just don't want to make anyone mad. You're trying to play it like I'm... No, no, I'm no. We, we've said outrageous. it. We've said it. We've said it plenty of times. Yeah. The, and I and I agree that the fuller. And I'm not are, saying, yeah. And we, I'm not we saying agree. Cole, Cole can either be in the B main or he can be top three. Yeah, and I'm not saying like Cole is so bad. HP should let him go. I'm saying like Fullers are like such a good investment right now. 
compared to what Cole is right now. Because out of Cole, you're not getting a world champion out of Cole at this point. What you're getting right now, though, Cole is a great personality and, he, and people like him. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. But with Fullers, you might get two Roar national champions and world champions and this is so on. This so, is like, and, like, obviously, I'm talking strictly business, okay? And I put my business. money on Fullers. Yeah. All right. So next question, and this is a question that's been asked a lot, and I get it. And this is from Instagram, and he wants to know how come RC how come RC Offroad Racing gets trophies for huge races, but drag racing can put up ten to twenty k grand in payout. You want to know why? Because drag racing can be done on the road in a parking yeah. lot. It doesn't cost. Like the, one of the biggest races in drag racing was done like on a parking lot. So. Yeah, I mean, I get, and to be honest, like, yeah, I know people about making money and all this stuff for races, and I don't think every race should be a, a, a money race in RC, but there's room for some. I mean, we saw visions, but I just think that people, people, are, you know, and I'm sure, like, for the to put on a drag race costs money too, but probably not near as much as it costs to put on. Let's put it this way. And to also, put on a drag race, to put on King in the Streets does not cost as much as it costs to put on PMB or Silver State. Oh, it, it, or probably it's a the money that yeah. exactly. And it's then, and then these drag races aren't freaking four days like DNC. You know, they're like two, one or two. So with the drag racing, you know, it comes. It's it's like it's a traveling circus. Everybody comes there. They set up. Everybody's there. You know, and entry money pays for that. And then they give back. But I mean, this is what drag racing. This is what made drag racing popular, right? This is why now why we have. $3,000 turnkey drag cars. Like, you know what I mean? I like this drag racing thing, but I'm, I think, I, I don't know. Is the bubble going to pop? Is it going to be like short course? I don't, I don't know. know. I think, I think drag racing will stay because even if people don't buy the, I mean, hundred percent, the $3,000 car bubble will burst. That will be just like, at some point, people are not going to be believing that they will be winning the, the big prize but for sure the community will stay because drag racing is a big thing like on its own and then you're doing just scale drag racing most mm. of the time just hanging out with your buddies having a good time and then you go out there and ride for a bit and it's not about like you don't have to put that much effort into it you know it's you make oh, the car ready let me tell you something. they do a lot of testing they do a lot of testing these guys go like it's it's deep. The guys out there have laptops, the tuning ESCs, motors. It's a lot of testing that goes into this. I mean, but, yeah, yeah. The top but, guys do. But it's it's like most people there just have a lot of money, money in this right now, dude. It's a lot of money, and guys are winning money, and it's king. And they look real. And it's yeah. blue. But also, yeah. I, one thing I wanted to add was actually the race format. Because in drag racing, it's kind of like anyone can win, pretty much. Everyone starts from bracket and then you just move up to the one who wins. Mm -hmm. But in racing, you have qualifying, you have practice, and you kind of know who's going to win. So the money prize isn't like you just want to win to start out with. The money prize isn't, it doesn't really make it that it's just a nice bonus for the guys who win. But from drag racing, like to some extent, it's a much higher percent, like much higher possibility of someone. Yeah. It's like someone can win it, even though they aren't absolutely the best. Like, right. Off the right. Like, this, people, like this lady that won it last year. Like, you know, somebody could come. Like, obviously, there are better 
cars and better people that do yeah, drive I these mean, cars yeah. better. But you know, it, it's I know what you mean. Like there's a chance, like there's definitely more of a chance from you know somebody nobody's ever heard of winning this than it is of them going to uh Dirt Lighter Challenge or Silver State and winning. Yeah, it's yeah. Definitely a higher chance. I get it, I get it. Uh, a lot of money in drag racing, man. A lot of money. A lot of money in drag racing. Not a lot of um, not doesn't need permanent tracks. Doesn't need driver stands. Doesn't need none of that stuff. You know. So and it's also a, a cultural a thing. Game. You know, like drag racing. Like if you look at like in pop culture, drag racing is like two guys on a closed street throwing money, and then who wins takes it. You know, that's kind of the cultural. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. So, like cultural, like where you're living in drag racing, whereas like car racing in general, it's more about you know professionalism and and that. Like drag racing is about out outlaw stuff, and especially like this is no prep and and stuff like that. It's the gonna cars be huge. Aren't, like, yeah, it's gonna be it's, huge. I think I'm gonna I think I'm it's tuned just, uh, into it. All, right. all kind of things that put so like, we have a couple more questions, and we got to go through this quickly, Max. Because we've gone entirely too long. We weren't supposed to geek out on this. Um. We have, and then we have a couple of Discord questions. I, I we ha, we can't answer them all. Um. All right, so these are from our YouTube questions. Actually, just two. So, uh, EKJ twenty four thousand. What's up, Corey? What's up? Check him out. Sign up. Doing some good work on his channel, EKJ twenty four thousand. It's finally time that the younger pros are finally about to take over. Well, I mean, we're excited, but they actually got to go in. You know what I mean? It's it's been many of them that have got there and they're knocking on the door and they've got one foot in the door. But you gotta open, you know, you gotta when you open the door, you gotta walk through it. And the, it's gonna have to be nitro buggy. And that's it. And they still haven't done it. I, I think it can happen. I definitely think it can happen this year. But um they still have to win. That's it. That's yeah, but line. to be honest, like if we look at the average age on the podium like five years ago compared to now like now there's fend like he's almost the oldest guy in the podium at the moment like fend the fullers um van dalen uh brandon rose these guys are making podiums even at dnc there was like fend and um was it ogden who finished third or test ogden finished fourth it was fend no, it was Mayfield, Mayfield, Fend. Oh, my Slip in my brain. I know Cole was fourth. Testman. Yeah. Okay, so Testman was third. So even there, okay, DNC was kind of old because Tebow and Mayfield were there. Um, but, like, it used to be sort of like every big race was like, either your name was Ryan or you were Tebow. And you were all in the top four, you know, pretty much. Oh, they're and, getting there. They're getting there. Yeah. That's for sure. But they have yeah. to win. So they I think, I think it's 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 definitely what I'd say is the old generation is kind of on their way out. This believe like Mayfield's still there. Mm-hmm. Mayfield's still there, no doubt. Cavalieri, in my opinion, is been on his way out for a while now. But this year we'll kind of see like if it's the final blow to him. Tebow. Uh, from his own will, retiring. Lots is doing all right, but he's kind of not been in the top top for a while now. And uh, yeah, it's kind of the old guys are kind of switching out. Tessman right. and Fend are, you know, 
still in it. But then there are also like new guys like Renner Rose and these guys who are coming. They're in. coming. They're coming, but they yeah. still have to beat them. They still have to beat them. That's the end of the day. Oh, yeah. yeah. There isn't right. like a new Mayfield yet. Next question from Kevin Holbert. He says, I have the MP9 Evo. I believe that's the RTR. Um, sure. He says, I, I, I got it real cheap. Uh, do you think it's worth racing? Let me check and see if this is the um, RTR. And he also asks, I'm newer to eBoggy. My Nitro is a JQ white edition with all white plastic. I think we've, I think this guy has asked me about this previously. Um, if this is the Evo, it's man. The RTR. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you, man. You're going to spend way more money trying to make this race worthy than by I don't know. There. If, if, he, if it's <laughs> like, if you were able to run it, run it till it breaks. Run it, yeah, get some like, practice with it, it run it, yeah, learn it. But I'll be honest with you, don't get caught up putting hop ups on it to make it into a like, yeah, at that point, go on and get yourself a, a proper use kit, you know, and go from I there. I don't know, actually. I'm looking I at this, so. kit I've now. seen them, I've seen them, I've had guys that I have them, and I just think like RTRs are great for getting into it and maybe getting your feet wet, but to, you're gonna spend the money. I always see it the money you spend putting into an RTR. Is still not as it's still but actually like the, car. but the MP9E doesn't look that bad to be honest. It's one of I just don't believe in those RTRs. That's my it's opinion. It's not like a full on RTR, it's kind of like a half RTR. I mean, I would try it, I just wouldn't get caught up hopping yeah. it up. And he's I got think, a, I mean, a JQ okay. buggy, and, and parts for that are going to be hard to get too. Yeah, so it's just about think, getting you parts. Know, Basically, don't get caught up in staying with the car. Just use it as long as you have it. And then if you buy electronics to it, you can always transfer them to a new car. So that, those are, I think, okay. But don't buy for just that specific car. Because okay. RTRs are always going to be like that. All right. So we have a couple of Discord questions. We're going to go through these real quick. Jay Wood wants to know, here's my super weird question. Why the hell does Cole Kasten have a Gabon flag by his name in every live stream? I did not know what flag that was, but I did notice that. I will ask him next time I speak to him. I'll see him shortly, it looks like. Um, Kakalakin, <laughs> I don't I guess that's how I say his name. Has the magic bullet for EU fuel been found yet? Following JQ's tuning device, which worked wonderfully with 25%, it felt, felt like chasing the white whale ever since the fuel switched to me. I found changes that could get me closer, but I never managed to dial in engines as perfectly as I could with 25%. So here's what I'm going to say about this. I think they're going to make engines specifically for this fuel that are EU engines. I think that's what's happening. Because yeah. it's, 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 it's some point you can't tune out if that percent's a nitro. You got you to gotta do some things internally to make them better. That's my thought on that. It's It's like I don't think it requires a lot to be honest. It's like little, li little like ironing out of of the engine, but I don't think it requires a lot because for me, I've been fine with the twelve percent. Haven't had like major issues. I don't know. I think general in general, just like engines gonna go like little updates and it will work fine. I think in, it's just like twelve percent is just harder to tune. It's mm. it's smaller margin for error and like. That's gonna be the way they naturally are, you know. It's not. Mm -hmm. I don't think. I don't think it's about anything else. It's just like a natural, natural thing about running less percentage of nitro in in your fuel. It's like just a smaller window. 
Okay. So I, I left this last this question for last because it's probably going to be a science nerd question for you. But it's come from C. Bucklin. I have a general question. I'm interested in Max's opinion. I'm reading many race reports that talk about how the setup was off to start, and by the end, it was good, but it was too late. Rana Falk's last report from Montpellier is a good example. At what point does a car like Mayako that is extremely adjustable become a disadvantage compared to a car with a smaller window? There isn't enough time to dial things in before results starts to matter, in my opinion. If you have a preconceived notion of how the track will be and miss the window, it's going to be tough to fix instantly. It's a matter of building a notebook of setups for all track conditions. Is it a matter of building up a notebook for setups for all track conditions and just hoping one wholesale change gets it close enough? I assume that's much harder to do while actively developing prototype parts and implementing changes. Yeah. So I I actually prepared a little bit for this question, in my mind at least. So um, I think it's not about the adjustability of a car. Like there could be two settings for each each thing in a car, two link locations, two arm uh, locations, anything. And you have enough things to fuck up your setup. You know? It's not about how much you can adjust. It's more about what you know is your base. So I think what often happens with these, with guys like this is like David. Okay, this is speculation because I don't know for a fact. But I expect when they went to Spain and tested a lot of stuff, he had another style of setup he was used to. Well, actually, I'm not speculating because he did say he had another style of setup. Okay, so David had uh, another style of setup when he went to Montpellier than what he's used to. For example, at the Worlds or possibly the races before, I'd expect similar to the Euros, which he ran the world. So it's just that a lot of... a lot of these racers, um, and me included, when when we go out like testing, you're trying to find like a new thing in the setup, you're trying to find a new edge on the track you're testing on. You get the car better to your base setup on that track, but you don't have the experience of how that setup handles elsewhere. So. Um, well, I'm just going to talk about this instance of David because I think this uh, it's a good example of what he's asking. So you go to this race, you're like, okay, the car is not handling the way it was handling when I was testing. And then you're trying to find ways to make that setup work. But the issue often is that um, in your mind, you're kind of thinking, okay, with my base setup, when I'm lacking this, I do this. So when I'm lacking rear grip, I lower the arm. Or when I want less initial steering, I like reduce droop. Whatever it is, it can be anything. But you have to kind of take a step back, look at the big picture uh, every time. So when you're running uh, more uh, kick up in the front, for example, sometimes it might make the car... Uh, calmer to run with stiffer springs because the car doesn't uh, dive as much going into the corners. 
sometimes when you're running low kickoff, it actually is better just to run soft springs because then the car is like reacting better to the bumps and so on. So some things might work in the opposite way because there are things in a setup that are working against. So what I expect happened to David and what I believe a lot of these other drivers have is they have a setup that is perfected for the area they're racing. So guys who are racing SoCal have a certain style of setup because all of the uh, tracks are rough. Um, they have a lot of roost. The car, there's lots of bumps. It's low speed. They, ha they have their base that they're used to. They go to another track. It's similar enough where they can just get away with few changes. Then they go to PMB, for example, and um, they're kind of just like, working on the setup trying to find things to make it work or then they just like completely revert to a setup from another driver and then try to work their way into a setup they like so this is mainly the issue like you working in a window which works for a certain style of tracks and you at some point there's a limit where you can't tune it enough to make it work and um, Oftentimes, the best way to do it is find something that works okay everywhere. And then you just make little adjustments to make it work, you know, on all conditions. And that is, that is that you sacrifice maybe the performance on your home track, but then you know the setup will work at the other track, let's say PMB now. And by doing this for a long enough time, um, you will, eventually be so comfortable with your driving with the car the way it's handling with that setup the sort of characteristics of the car that are built into it built into the setup you're so one with them that you are eventually going to go faster like that and that's what i'm pretty sure happened with david and he did say after montpellier that he's going back to his sort of base setup the setup he ran at the worlds which he did get a great result out of and that's that's mainly the thing with drivers that switch brands that they struggle with. They have every single race they're kind of looking for a setup that works perfectly on the track, where instead they should be looking for sort of the base that they uh, need to have in the setup where they can always be comfortable. And that's like that's the difference between a Mayfield where he wins every race, where he basically most likely just runs the same setup everywhere with few minor tweaks to make it fit for that condition. And let's say Mayfield now, where he's with a new car, probably changing all kinds of stuff, never finding his base that he can truly trust and be comfortable with. And uh, I think that's like the main thing about it, that you either have new parts or like David, he went to testing in Spain, tried to find a new sort of um, philosophy of how to set up the car, perhaps. I know they were testing new parts as well. So things like that affect it. You don't, you're not comfortable with your base anymore. And that's why the whole through the race, you kind of chase the setup. And then in the end, it's kind of too late already. And like, you can ask almost any driver in Europe, especially because we have longer races that after the race, they would have gone so much faster than they find stuff. Because there's more chances to tune it, you kind of tune it better. But in America, it's less common, to be honest, because the races are shorter. So no matter what you do, it's kind of like you have to just trust what you have. Um, so yeah, 
to conclude, um, the reason why it happens is because the drivers are not driving within their base setup um, or, you know, are trying something new and they trying to kind of like looking everywhere to solve it. And then they might be used to their base and they make the wrong decisions and setup until they find it. And uh, yeah, those are like the main things why it happens. And uh, I've seen it happen to many drivers, you know, of all levels, really. Even Joseph okay. does this sometimes, even yeah, though I, can, I, can, I know I can he's great that. Also, I think um, with Rana Falk and, and what's going on with, with Mayako is that they are on a platform that's, all these platforms are constantly changing, you know, even yeah, in minor ways. Yeah. And they don't have, you know, they're still building up their base of people. And a lot of these companies have a lot of really good drivers to pull information from too. So I think this is all a point of just, you know, and it's just like, yeah, like building anything. And they, yeah. you know, he's, he's also made some changes in other pro parts of his program that he has to get used to. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. The tires you know? are a big change for sure. Yeah, of course. Of like, course. I, I remember when I was running AKA, Compared AKA to J Concepts, in general, just that J Concepts tire is more forgiving. You know, AKA mm. might have more peak grip, be better on the line, but J Concept is overall just more forgiving. In like, no matter the thread pattern, no matter the compound, it's just a general nature of what type of tires they make and what's their philosophy of making tires. So maybe Matrix is not what David's used to. Maybe that's why he's struggling. Maybe mm -hmm. he's trying something new. Maybe that's why he's struggling. There's many things that can happen. But, but the bottom line is most of these top guys do well when they have their base set up ready and then they can just execute and be comfortable with one with the car. I personally do this like when I joined Mayako, I tested a lot of stuff initially and then I kind of picked a way of I, how I know to set up a car that I can be comfortable with. And by the end of the summer, I was like really comfortable with my car. But if you don't have, you know, that knowledge or clear set of understanding of you're going to sacrifice something for something else and you know what you're doing, then it's much harder to do. And, and it's not like I can do it instantly either. Not like Joseph can do it instantly. No, it, it, it's not about knowledge only. It's also about, you know, finding the things, finding the conditions that makes it work. And, um, uh, yeah, then you, like, Ongaro is a great example, and Mayfield with his Mugen time. Like, those two, uh, at, as far as I know, Ongaro pretty much always runs a very similar setup, and he drives a very specific driving style, and that's why he does well. In America, he doesn't do well because he cannot really execute that mm -hmm, driving mm -hmm, style mm -hmm. and that setup. And it's pretty, I like, agree. simple to put together. I agree. So, yeah, there, agree. there's... Definitely a lot of things here, but mainly it's just about knowing what you're working with, with your base setup, and then getting comfortable with it as a driver. Because most of it is just like, you know when you hit a bump, what the car is going to do next. You know, If you drive a softer suspension or a shorter wheelbase than usual, then you don't know. You, you're kind of like guessing, and it makes you slow. So... That's definitely, cool. I'd say, the big thing. All right, dude, we had a lot of questions. Yeah. Some people I didn't want to mal you enough. Yeah. Well, I, I think people commented that like, I should uh, make um, 
a segment of my own, just like for questions. We did. We spent one and a half hours on questions. I know. <laughs> Got a watermelon seed, you did. Got a watermelon seed, you. But thank you, everybody, for the questions. I know you know what. I know a lot of people may not be interested in these, but you know what? That's why I put timestamps. Boop. You can go right to the interview. Yeah. And coming up next is the interview with Scotty Ernst. Thank you to everybody for the questions. We we like them. I know everybody wants to get their questions answered too, right? Uh, so we try to do that uh, as much as possible. So thank you for that. Thank you for BTRC for the support. Remember, we have an affiliate link. If you guys can use that, it helps us out a lot. We're going to go on to our Techno RC main interview of Scotty Ernst. It was a great chat with Scotty. And then Max and I are coming back. We're going to have a little conclusion. Maybe we'll do some hot maps too. So we'll see. With that said, thank you to Techno RC for all their support uh, with the NNRC, one of our longtime spots. We thank them. It was great to see Matt talk to him. He has some great ideas. Things are looking positive, very positive uh, with things with Roar and all that stuff. So very good. Techno RC. Techno RC. Techno RC is a premium manufacturer specializing in 8th and 10th scale high-performance off-road RC buggies and trucks. Visit www.technorc.com for a complete catalog of their products. Techno RC, excellence in engineering. Hashtag Techno Takeover. So if you don't know the gentleman to my virtual left her, then then you don't really follow RC racing. Uh, I had the pleasure of working with him in a, a couple times now, once as a, a race director, which is which was great to see because I've never seen him work as that. And then recently at the Psycho Nitro Bass Commentator, which was quite an honor for me to get to do it with a legend like him. But if you guys don't know, Scotty Ernst got some time off and decided to come on the podcast. Finally, we got you on her. Finally, yeah. We've been talking about it for years since you started this. And um yeah, just all the pieces work together, and uh, glad I, glad we could finally have a chat. Sure, for sure. I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we had a, we had some good chats over the time we spent at PMB calling the race. It's really it, I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me there. Uh, it was good to see how you guys work, how you work, and I think it was pretty good. I think the people at home enjoyed it, and hopefully we get to do it again at some point. Yeah, I think it went really well. It's always always tough to to start with a new co-host, you know what I mean? Because there's all the the things that people don't think about that we obviously you know of now working there that that make it a challenge. But I think uh, you know we we caught our stride pretty quick working together, and I think it was a, a very good broadcast. Obviously, the race was unique and fantastic, so that makes our job much easier. But yeah, it was so- yeah, it was it was a pleasure. So I want people to understand. So we were, I just want people to know, We. this is, I think, the second time I've worked where I'm not actually can see the track, right? I know you work like that a lot just off the screen. Uh, but in my previous job times commentating, I was able to just see the track a little bit. So it makes it a little easier. But people can see, like, during the, I think during the Truggy main, I think we was both on our feet at one point And, like, if you could have seen us, like, off, I think our hands were going and everything was going, I mean, like, we kind of got into it. Like it was exciting and like, it was just, I mean, nobody could see us, but I mean, just the emotion from the race makes you get up off your feet. And yeah, I, I think that's great. Like the passion, if people could see that, maybe we should have a secret cam in there while we're doing it. And like, I mean, yeah, yeah. hands were good. My arms are good. And it was, it was awesome. It was awesome to do that with you. We had some great racing and um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, but 
for you, it was your 10th event of the year. So you've been super busy. So that's 10 flights. That's from America, Europe, and Asia. You've been to all three of those places in, I, I think, almost twice already this year. Well, of course, yeah. in America. You travel in America all over the place. Quite a bit. Plus uh, Australia, too. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> And you're going back there in a week and a half. Well, in the following week, you're going to Philippine Masters, which is the end of April, I think. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going there a bit early to to try to help prepare because this will be our biggest our biggest year for the uh, for the Philippine Masters, and they're just we just want everything to be as perfect as possible. The uh, Philippine Masters has always been such a unique race that it's you know it's part race and then a little bit more part fun with mm-hmm. uh having uh, the celebrities there the you know the world champions and stuff coming being able to just socialize and hang out with uh, the regular joes and we have I counted up yesterday 16 nations coming to the Philippine Masters this year which is pretty our biggest our biggest international crowd and it's just uh, it's a blast also this is the first race of the Asia Cup Asia Challenge I believe which is this the first race Correct. This all, be the yes. first, yeah, the first race of the Asian Buggy Championships. Right. Uh, it's something that I wanted to start before the world shut down and obviously couldn't do it. So now that everything is pretty much back open in that region, I was like, all right, it's time to get this going. And we're going to be Philippine Masters going to be the first race. And then the next race will be down in Australia in July, which sold out. We put a 200 entry cap and it sold out in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be really big, and then uh, I hope the third race. We're still working on the location right now. It looks like it it may be Indonesia. I'm gonna talk to the guys um, down in the Philippines here from that track to try to put the pieces together to do it. And then if everything works out next year, then we're gonna do hopefully do four races next year. Okay, uh, so. I've, as we're recording this, we'll come come out after, but we we will have also uh, we have Zach and Ben come on to talk about this. I pre-recorded that before I recorded this with you, so they t- they touch on that. I did read um, Zach's stage one report; it was excellent. <laughs> it was like it's he amazing, tells you everything you need. Yes, I mean, like he goes right down to the tires that you need for the track and everything in that one stage report, and I thought that was awesome. And that's. I, He's very big on the on the on the coverage and getting things done, and I know he's planning that all out. You told me that you guys are you guys are going to be covering it as well, so it's going to be streamed with your with your team over there, which is really good. So I I can't wait to see what you guys come up with, and much needed spotlight on that area of of region of RC, you know, um, kind of been pushed to the background, especially after during COVID, you know, yeah. I think things were starting to get going before that, but now that it's opened up a bit more and people are going, it's good to see because, you know, we need the Philippine masters and there's a lot, there's a whole big RC community over there that needs some spotlight. Absolutely. It's a, it's a region, as you said, that doesn't really not talked about much. Obviously Europe has its big eight scale races. America has plenty of them. Um, I've always enjoyed doing races over in Asia. I had, I started my Asian on-road championship, uh, electric on-road series in 2013 uh, that we traveled all over the region for many, many years. And I've always wanted to do eight scale and now we're able to do it. And I think it's going to expand. Uh, I think the industry is going to embrace it to really um, be able to <clears throat> give these guys their premier uh, race series. There's plenty of talented drivers mm-hmm. over there and a lot of young guns that are up and coming. So it's uh, I'm excited to go over there, meet a lot of the, the new people I haven't met, 
Ben and Zach and those guys are coming and, and Edward and Clem and all Ricky, all the guys from Philippines, they're all going to be there, but, uh, we're getting, uh, people from China and all over Indonesia, Malaysia and Brunei and Sri Lanka and oh, just, nice. yeah, it's, they're coming from all over. So I get the uh, best part of my job is, you know, getting to meet new people that all share the love we have for the hobby. And when we get to do that in a couple of weeks there in the Philippines, it's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, because we all share that same passion, right? It doesn't matter where we're from. Absolutely. Oh, we all share that from. same passion. What language you speak, it doesn't matter. We all share the love of the hobby and RC. And that's, the, like I said, the best part of my job, getting to meet these people from all the, all different walks of life, all corners of the world, all because RC cars. It's uh, it's pretty humbling to me. Yes, I agree. I, I enjoyed that as well. All right. Well, I, I need to start up because I need to know how you got started in this. Um, you, you did tell me uh, a little bit about if, you know, when you came right out of the Navy. I'm sorry. When you came right out of high school, you went to the Navy. You did four years right. of that, which was great. Uh, but did you kind of get into RC previous prior to that or did you find RC after that? I found RC after that when I was a okay. kid. You know, back in the day, there wasn't much RC cars. The only RC car I ever had was a little plastic toy one my mom got us that um, only turned to the left. So if you <laughs> wanted to go right, you had to back up and back up. Uh, that was the only RC car I ever okay. had as, I, as a kid. So it really never resonated with me. And when I was in the Navy, I remember walking. I was in Yokosuka, Japan. There was a hobby shop there. And I walked down the street and I saw some helicopters and stuff in it. But it really never, I, I didn't go in or I didn't really? like, wow, this is amazing. Wow. Amazing. I, I know. And then I got out of the Navy in the uh, late 80s, we'll just say. No, <laughs> 80, in the end of 88. And uh, I heard an ad on the radio for the local hobby shop, which had a indoor dirt track. So I walked into the hobby shop, into the racetrack, and I'm like, my God, what is this? Really? This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And it was a bank dirt oval. And I remember the, 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 the smell of tire additive and stuff like that when I walked in. And I was just absolutely taken back by it and just fell in love with that. And uh, I remember standing at the counter looking, oh, man, if I, I didn't have much money. I just got a Navy. I really didn't have a job. I was living at home with my folks. And I just remember, oh, if I save some money, I could get that one and get that one and get that one. And I mean, you know, I was that consumer on that side of the counter that just, you know, was starstruck by this. Right. And so I was, it was amazing. So I ended up buying a, I didn't buy anything new. I bought a bunch of used stuff and uh, bought a used gold tub RC10 converted for dirt oval old Mangum Jr. radio, a, a timer, a, a old Protect 15-minute timer charger for the batteries. And that's how I got started. And I tell everybody, bowling was my hobby. When I got when I was a kid, I bowled. Bowling in the Navy. When I got out, I, I was bowling. And Friday nights, it didn't matter. I was bowling. Mm, and I walked I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I wasn't great by any right. means. You know, I was just average. But I loved it. My brother mm -hmm. and I did it. It was about, as we grew up, my, my, uh, my folks split up. They were divorced. My dad was a truck driver. He was on the road. So my brother and I kind of raised ourselves okay. and, uh, you know, we'd always go bowling. We, that's when you could take the city bus as a, you know, 10 or 12 year old and, you know, damn everywhere, but we go to the, we go bowling. So that right. was my hobby. I walked in and I found RC 
I haven't touched a bowl of mall since 88. No way. So, no. Yeah. Yeah. I've been a couple of times with my granddaughter and stuff, but yeah, it just, I just absolutely fell in love with it. And that just became my new, my new hobby. And yeah, just uh, encompassed all of my life and just became my, my passion. Yes, I see. I see that, obviously. But it's amazing that you actually saw this in Japan. You didn't get phased by it, um, like I think most people do. But it's, it was the actual racing part of this that caught you. Absolutely, it is. Uh, you know, I, I I'll never remember that. I'll never forget that hobby shop, the back street, right one about one block away from the Navy base, and uh, old little you know Japanese streets are kind of small and everything. Walking down that, we'd go to the this local bar where we would go and and eat. Uh, Noodles, yakisoba, that's what we'd eat. Like every day we'd get off base. If we're in there, we go to this little bar and they had uh laser disc. Remember, I don't know how old you remember the laser disc movies? They had some yes. of some rock concerts like the Scorpions and stuff like that. So these were be playing at the this bar restaurant. And I remember walking by the hobby shop all the time and it never really wow me. It was cool, but yeah. So interesting. interesting. I wish I could go back because I, I definitely would have went and spent more time in that hobby shop back then. <laughs> All right. So you, you get your first you get your first used kits, you start racing. How long does it take before you are like uh head? I mean, obviously you're probably going head first into this, but what comes after that? Like how does it go from doing that to you becoming the owner of trackside? Because I want to know how that all happened. And and to I guess, yeah, that that is the first evolution. Let's let's get to that one because you've had quite a few evolutions, like you know, to from racer to track owner, to RD, to commentary, to, you know, RC icon. So let's talk about that. The, the, from seeing that dirt oval race to probably, I guess, was it trackside came next after that? Yeah, basically. So the, the, the track that I, I visited was trackside okay. uh, owned by a previous owner. And I just, that became my hobby. I, Fridays and Saturday, I was going up there and, and racing and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I remember all the, the young kids that were there and, you know, that were helping me. I remember there's this kid named Demetrius Pitchford, him and his dad, Coyle. Demetrius was, I don't know, 12, 13 years old. And I remember always asking him, how do I set my gear mesh, you know, on my, on my RC 10, you know, I was learning cause I didn't know anything. Right. And, uh, I absolutely loved it. It was dirt oval. I ended up winning my first, you know, stock like series there that I did, um, then, uh, like I said, I didn't have any real money and everything. So I asked the local owner, Hey, can I sweep the floors and take out the trash to, to get free racing? And he's like, okay. yep. So I started doing that. Then he needed some help at the shop. So I started working behind the counter and you know, that's where I did that. And then unfortunately he didn't, he didn't run the business very well and, uh, money went into till and it went out to till. So, uh, he was ready to go out of business and I said, Hey, do you want to sell this? And he did. And I ended up taking it over with my family and we kind of try to build it up on what I thought was important in business. And that was customer service. Mm -hmm. It's like anything, everybody sells the same product pretty much for the same amount of money. So you had to, I needed to find a way to differentiate differentiate ourselves from the other racetracks and hobby shops in town and i felt that customer service was the best way so we did that so i bought that in uh, 93 so i'd raced 89 to 93 just kind of helping them out and stuff like that 
And uh, then in 93, we ended up buying it and, uh, and took it over from there. So what did you do differently from the previous year you know, to institute that customer care? What were some of the things that um, you probably did to boost it? It seems like it has a very healthy stream of uh, racers there because, I mean, we was at PMB and there was a bunch of them from trackside there. Yeah. So I assume it's in a great a, a region with a lot of people. It is. I mean, we got a, we've built a great following up and I ended up moving uh, one, two times. So I got my first business lesson early when we first bought it in 93. I went to a meeting with the property property manager and I didn't have a lawyer. I wrote down oh. notes and I got the rough end of that deal. I remember uh, November 30th, 1993, nighttime, it was late, walked in, some guy walked in and says, you Scott Ernst? I'm like, yes, I am. Boom. Serve me papers. Oh, wow. You got, 30, you got 30 days to get out. So I'm a business owner for eight months. You know, I put everything I had had and saved up to this time into the business and it kicked out. So we had to get out. We moved to a not very good location, but, you know, we had put end up in put it ended up indoor carpet mm-hmm. and started racing carpet oval and to me, a road course back in the day. And then we moved to the current location, uh, August of 2001, we moved there, which was uh, on a prime street, uh, great exposure, two racetracks. We had an indoor carpet track and the indoor dirt track, and it was uh, that's where it kind of began and began and really grew and um, began to, to where it is now. I think one of the most uh, recognized names, <clears throat> excuse me, names of, of racetracks in the country. And uh, the guys I sold it to, Jamie Tennis. Um, they've, uh, taken it and just, uh, continued on, on trying to build up what, uh, our family had did for so many years. Yeah. I mean, I was surprised that how many people came down to PMB. So it looks, and you know, I got to meet LW4 who you was, yeah. you're super excited about, which is good to see. Oh but yeah. That was, that was great. Yeah. That was great too, to see how passionate you was about him. Like, when he came in to talk to you, he was like, have you checked everything? And he was like, yeah, this module wasn't working. And he goes, did you test it? Oh, hold on. Let me, te- let me, let me message your father and tell you, tell him to go out there and test that right now, because you need to be sure. I was like, it's, it's we need that. Like we need these, we need the, the older generation putting that type of encouragement into the younger generation, you know, and it's good and passion. It's good to see. Right? And he did well. He won. So yeah, that was great. The, the right family is, uh, they've been around for a long, long time. And, uh, you know, the whole family is part of the, the trackside gang and um, to watch little Larry do so well and run so strong. And I'm sure if I go back and listen to that, that was probably the worst race I've ever announced. Second to only when my daughter, Sarah Ann was racing, you know, oh, really? I mean, I, I'm sure I did a terrible job. But I mean, this is a kid that we watched grow up at trackside. He won a Tamiya little fighter buggy or something at the Tamiya race in 2000. I, I don't know. He was two i think mm-hmm. you know and he won this car in a raffle and his family just got him racing right away got him a slash right away when he was three and he was racing and bouncing it off the walls and everything and it's racing is all this kid has known and for them all to come down and their family is such great folks and um the guy who helped him jerry Klingbile, is kind of went out of his way to help little larry with his cars and everything and it's just a a great, great family of people. And I was, yeah, I was a bit emotional when he was doing so well. And yeah, it was a, it was a memorable, 
memorable moment, especially when we poured some water on him there at the, <laughs> when you were doing the interviews. It was I great. Know, he was so he was, but that I think we need that. You know, this oh, is, absolutely we need to make these young racers feel like, hey, you, we want you here. You know, we right. want you here. We want you to do well. And I, I wouldn't be mad. I'm, I'm waiting for the day when I see podiums of all young racers. You know, and that's what I, I look forward to. That's what podiums get me excited. All right, absolutely. let's. Let's transition into what you are now, uh, which has become a professional race director and commentary. I just wanted to state something that there is a difference between race directing and commentary. So race directing is what I saw you do at um, at Masters of Dirt, which is what, like what race directors do, which is running the race, calling the race for racers, doing all that stuff, making sure it's management time. I watched you do that, and I watched you pretty much sit up and do that the entire day. I wondered when you took bathroom breaks because I didn't see you do too many no not not too many the bladder is trained to uh <laughs> yeah i can go uh way too long <laughs> yes go. and commentary is more what is what we did this the, at pmb which is basically in a booth calling a race for the people at home which is completely in my opinion two different things uh two different it is uh two different skill sets like i am not an rd i don't i don't have a, i don't think i ever want to do that because it's a very difficult job to monitor a lot of things and also be excited about the racing. So it's definitely a, a skill set that I don't have. It's too much, too much going at once, I think. But you, uh, Lance, I think Jimmy Babcock, all these guys who are iconic at doing that in this industry are very good at it. And then obviously you have also, uh, you, well, you st- I guess you're one of the guys that started this because uh, I've been watching Live RC since 2008 when they did the Worlds. And obviously, I watch RC Racing TV, which has been around just as long. But you uh, and Nick are the two guys that I have known to be probably the best commentators, which is, which is like, which is also very important in, in growing our industry and growing our our sport. But I guess I want to say it started with RD, right? Uh, that you told me that started with Mike Reedy calling you up to do the first Reedy touring car race, uh, and you was super pumped about that and and whatnot. Do you remember what year that was? Uh, it was 2001, I think, is when he called me, I think, for the 2002 race. Somewhere about that. The older I get, the harder it is to remember. But it's, yeah, that was like the big first significant one that that I did and really changed everything. And um, you had mentioned earlier that the RD and the commentator are two different things, and they're, they absolutely are. Uh, being a race director at a major, major race is one of the most difficult jobs that we we have in our industry you know we just watched you know Lance here this last weekend just run a absolute perfect event just keeping things going with 700 almost 800 entries and it's 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 a tasking job for sure so um it's it definitely a total different than just what we did just commentating it's easy we don't yes. have to worry about marshals. We don't have to worry, you know, if it doesn't start our time, it's not on us. You know, it's on them. So it's it's way less stress doing the yes. commentary side. But uh, when Mike went to hire me, it was it was to do the race director, the commentary, and everything. And it was that was stressful because at that time, next to the worlds, the Reedy race still holds the most prestige. I think of any major race if in in on road or off road back in the day, but. Um, you know, to, to be able to do that. And it was, it was a challenge for sure. Yeah. And then obviously did that instantly turn into like a job? Did you start getting more calls after that? Or was it like a a trickle in or how did that work? Um, as I look back, I was still juggling. I still had, 
I had a full time. I still worked a third shift job when I had the hobby shop for. Oh, okay. Yeah, when I had the hobby shop, I still worked third shift full time. So I was running the the hobby shop full time. I had a full time job, and then trying to get time off to to go race direct and stuff like that made it made it a really big challenge. But that was kind of the beginning when 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 Mike called me up and said, "Hey, Scotty, we'd like to." you know, fly out to, to the Reedy race, you know, we'd like to, you know, have you race direct and announced a Reedy race. And I always tell that buddy, man, he said he was going to pay me and said, man, it was Mike Reedy. I'd have done it for free. I mean, right. it, you know, a lot of the younger viewers don't know the legacy that Mike Reedy, you see the, the Reedy name of motors and batteries and speedos and stuff like that. And tied with team associated, but Back in the day, Mike Reedy was as big of an icon in our industry as, you know, there were, you know, mm -hmm. you, you think of the names of Bob Novak and, and Mike Reedy, Ernie Prevetti from Trinity and the, the guys back in the day that, that truly were, you know, uh, pioneers in our industry. And once Mike asked me to do that and I started doing it a few, few years, um, uh, Mike and I came, became pretty close. We came, became good friends. And he, uh, he did so much for me in my announce career back before he and asked me to come out and announce when I still had trackside in our, our second location carpet on road, I held a, a big race called a uh, Midwest touring car championship when touring car was really big mm -hmm. and stuff like this. So this is 98, 99, 2000. And, um, Mike, uh, there was a big hobby shop in Chicago. I'd go and I'd promote it, hand out flyers and stuff like that. And we had some unique rules at the time with batteries and batteries and motors changing. And Mike called me up and Hey Scotty, I really like what you're doing for this race. I want to come out and I want to bring Mark Pavitas and Billy Easton with me. Oh, and wow. that changed everything. Really? It, it did because uh, David John, who worked for Tamiya, won Roar National Championship with the Tamiya car back in the day. He would, he had come to the race, I think the year before, uh, Paul Wynn from Schumacher came up when he was him and Adrian Warren running Schumacher USA down in Florida. So we had a couple kind of medium stars, but right. then all of a sudden Mike Greedy comes and brings Mark and Billy and it just, the race just exploded. So here I am, a, you know, a nobody holding a race in the middle of Wisconsin in the back of a building on a carpet track. And we have, you know two of the arguably best drivers in the world come into the Midwest. And that just, it changed everything, as I said. And when I moved to our new location where the track is now, um, the race ended up turning into be the called the Novak race. Mm -hmm. And it became the largest carpet race in the country next to snowbirds. It, this was, this was a race. And there was three, four years where it was a who's who. Really, John was there. Barry Baker was there. Chris Tosselini was there. Pavita was there. Easton was there. Kinwald was there. Todd Hodge was there. Uh, it just, it just went crazy. And this was uh, Paul Lemieux's kind of home track. And Paul Lemieux was, you know, the best at the time. It was just, it, it changed everything. So I, my relationship with Mike Reedy just grew and grew, and um, we we became very good friends. And and as he got into his later years, when he started. Uh, you know, Parkinson's really started uh, kicking affecting him and stuff like that. I remember I was uh, at a race in a hotel room and we were just sitting there and he was, he was true in motors back in the day when you could, you know, maintain, mm -hmm. cut him on a comm and, 
and he was so struggling. He says, Scotty, it's, I have to concentrate so hard to do this right now, you know, where it used to come second nature from him. And yeah, our, our relationship really became pretty strong. And that's why, I mean, next to my, my dad and, you know, my grandparents, you know, Mike Greedy probably had the biggest influence in my life of any other man I've ever dealt with. I'm sure he, that's awesome. Cause he probably influenced a lot of people's lives. That, he did absolutely, you know, and influenced RC in such a great way. All all of those guys you mentioned have influenced RC in a great way, for sure. That's so, cool. All right. Um. So moving on, you start. You're getting these gigs. You're doing all this type of stuff. Is this when you start getting into more series races? You know, you have your. I believe it's the race in Vegas that the carpet mm-hmm. race that you do. You have that one in Cleveland. Are these races that you're doing, or is it people? Are you doing it in? a combination for people or how does that work for you? Uh, it's a bit of a mix. After I started doing the Reedy race and, and things were going well at trackside, I, uh, Mike Boylan had a snowbird race was, was you know, was still legendary and still going on. And I raced at everybody. If you race on road or oval, you, you have to put on your bucket list cause it's a great list. But I, I wanted to do a, a major event. I got a couple years at a Reedy race under my belt. So I started learning about promotion and, and, watching other races and there were, you know, other big races, but they weren't, there was no pageant to your, you know, right. They weren't spectacular. So I thought, all right, where in America could we do a race that people from around the world would go? Mm-hmm. And to me, there's only two places, Orlando and Vegas. Mike Bullion already does the race in Orlando. So I couldn't do a race there. So I thought Vegas. So I went to Vegas and, and, you know, tried to put on a, big race. So I went to the hotel and we ended up uh, doing it at the Stardust Hotel. And 2005, it was, was the uh, first year of the International Indoor Champs, called it the IIC. And we rented a ballroom and everything. And I just wanted to make a spectacle for on-road. On-road was, you know, as big as any form of racing is right now, on-road touring car that day was bigger. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's big. It, it was bigger then than 10 scale buggy is now. And you know how big 10 scale buggy is. Oh, that's big. Whatever. I mean, it was massive. Everybody was doing it. The TC3 back then, Yokomo had car, Losi had cars as the on-road went. And I wanted to have a spectacle and, you know, and put banners everywhere so that my, my vision was sponsor, sponsor race, and to get their name on a driver's stand banner or whatever. But that was about it. Maybe a few banners hung around. But I thought, all right. Everybody there is taking pictures. That was sure before phones and everything, but they take a picture when the when the media is there. Car action was there. RC World from Japan was there. Stuff like that. They take a picture of this car in the, on the track. In the background, what should be there? To mm-hmm. me, banners, sponsor banners. Mm-hmm. So we lined the racetrack perimeter with banners of all our sponsors. So every picture that was taken, every video, our sponsors were in it. And it's still to this day, you look at early videos from our races or pictures, those sponsors, many of them not around anymore, but that's what I wanted to give as much exposure to sponsors as possible. So Mm -hmm. we did that. So we did that and just try to really make a spectacle of the race. And we had the best in the world. I don't know how many world champions were there. I got a great picture. Where is it up here? I think it's uh, what I got six world champions up there. So that was 2016 Vegas. Yeely Scross, Camp, Andy Moore, Mark Reinhardt, uh, Alexander Hagrid, Bruno Quano, Ronald uh, Volker. That's one of my favorite pictures. That I had a race with six 
world champions at our race. And it was, it was awesome. So it, it grew and grew. Uh, they tore to start us down after the first year. So we ended up moving to the South coast, South point. Then we ended up finishing uh, at the Riviera for so many years. And it just became that race that people wanted to travel to from around the world. Cause no matter how your race goes, you're in Vegas, you know, just mm-hmm. like the silver state coming up next month. You know what I mean? You go yep. there for the race, but if your car breaks every race or whatever, you're still in Vegas. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not all bad. And it doesn't matter what you do in Vegas. There's plenty of fun stuff to do in Vegas without gambling and drinking and stuff like that. There's plenty to do. So that was kind of our thinking. Um, you know, I had done some races in Europe back in the, during that time and they use timetables over there. So, you know, it starts at eight, eight Oh eight, you know, eight sixty. it just, you know, timetable. So I was like the first American race to really do a timetable. So every time guys would come in the next morning, I printed out a couple hundred schedules and had the daily schedule on everybody's pit table. So if you're in race 28, you knew at 208, you were going to be up. Mm-hmm. So you could go to the casino. You could go take a break you could go have dinner or lunch or whatever, and be back on time for your scheduled race. Cause we had so many entries, six, 700 on-road entries, you know, it's three, four hours between your heats. Yep. So we did that. And that's just part of the coolness that, that made the race, you know, so special and kind of got my feet wet in, uh, organizing events. And then from there, it just kind of exploded, came up with some other ideas, um, started, uh, the ETS, uh, European touring series. I was at a, a race out in Europe. I don't even remember what date, what year we started. It's been so long, but whatever, 16 years ago. So 14 or so years ago, I was hired to just come and commentate a race over in Europe. And it was a good race and things like that. And I, I said to Uwe Reinhardt, Mark Reinhardt's father, I said, Hey, what do you think? You know, we, we do a series. So I had this idea that I pitched to Uwe and I said, Hey, we could do this, put on a race. He lived in Germany. So he had all the contacts there. Obviously I was, could do the race directing and commentating and everything. And, um, you know, that, that just exploded and then boom, 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 more, more things. And I really got to enjoy, um, directing and organizing races also. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that ETS came first. Uh, yeah. ETS. Yeah. That was ETS was first at IIC. So the Vegas race, mm-hmm. re-race Vegas race. And then, um, so it was, it's 2007, eight, something like that. I pitched the idea to Uwe and we became partners and, um, yeah. So then the ETS started and it was, that was a tough start. Oh boy. Yeah. They, uh, uh, I'll be honest. The uh, Efra, Fmar folks over in Europe, oh, they fought they, you. Hoo, hoo, black they race. That's what they call it. Scotty. What's that? They call those black races. What they used to. Exactly right. They were not fans of Scotty Ernst when I come over there because races over there were all quiet. Mm-hmm. No commentating computer ran everything. Oh, that's Start. right. That's absolute right. There was there was no there was no excitement. There was just all oh, quiet. Yes. And here comes this loudmouth American coming over there, playing music and laughing and having fun, high fiving guys after they did a good job marshalling and you know stuff like that. And yeah, the first two years they called us black races. They they'll deny they say it, but it was it was proven. There was emails. There was messages put out that if you would attend. The ETS race on the same weekend that there was a Afro GP or something like that, they would they threatened to take your license away and stuff like that. So it was it was a tough few years and they they were winning. I think we had a race in Denmark. We had 
we ended up being 29 entries. Oh, wow. And I think there was like 20 people there. Some guys ran two classes and it was, yeah, we were like, man, I was, you know, they almost won, but thankfully the, the racers really enjoyed something different. They had fun and, uh, now it's grown to, to where it is today. So it's cool yeah. to look back, scary at sometimes, but yeah, it was, it was great. I didn't know that. And, and I remember uh, now that you mentioned it about being quiet at these electric races. I remember Joseph was saying it when him and Max went to the 10 scale euros and like, nobody could make any noise. Right. And I was like, what? Like, like. How was people supposed to enjoy this? And they said it's too much coaching. It's coaching or whatnot. Yes. See that. Yes, exactly. It's coaching. And that's what they would. I remember the the first, I don't remember what it was. First Ephra race I went to, um, Mark, a gentleman named Marcus hired me. I think it was Austria. I got to go do my first where, where I was hired as a commentator. Mm-hmm. I had been doing this now a few years in Europe. So people were getting used to me, but yeah, they, they wouldn't let me call lap times. They don't let you call the pace, the estimated pace, nothing like that because they said it was coaching. Mm. And, uh, so that, that was one of the biggest challenges that, that we, uh, that we faced. And thankfully, you know, it's, it's worked out and everybody. Yeah. Because look how things change. I mean, you literally was doing the MKGP a couple of weeks ago that was fully supported by the BRCA and, and, and streamed by their media team. Exactly. That's how, like, that's awesome. That's, that's it what is. happens to get new people in. Well, correct. And that's the BRCA is for the folks that don't know, the BRCA is like the, the sanctioning body of the UK. We have Roar here. There's EFRA that encompasses all of Europe. There's uh FEMCA that does the Australian kind of Asian. There's FAMAR that does uh, South America and the Middle East. So each one has its own sanctioning body and the BRCA uh, I've said it many times. They are the best of all the sanctioning bodies. Absolutely the best in what they do. Um, there's some new guys that have got involved in it. Darren and Matt and the guys and just absolutely a plus they get it. Their yes. biggest concerns are club members, the clubs and getting new people and youth into it. And we're at this MKGP that lefty just mentioned. It was, uh, in, uh, one of the biggest shopping malls in London. And the, the Silverstone Club, Paul and his gang set up this racetrack right in the middle of the, the venue, surrounded by all these stores. And tens of thousands of people are walking around standing there. And the BRCA has a tent set up and they have a little uh, trimy tracker. They, uh, they call it a have a go. Come on mm-hmm. over and have a go. They got some Schumacher little GT12 slowed really down so anybody could come up for free. You let people do it. And it was, it was brilliant and just one of the greatest events I've ever been involved in and um yeah the brca is you know i think they're leading the way in -hmm. what they're doing and their their vision and stuff like that i know um here in america our new roar president clayton he's kind of he's he's embracing those ideas and trying to move forward for roar to make roar better we surely need some help in this because uh roar has then definitely been struggling through the years to try to get new members and and grow and and get tracks to be affiliates with mm-hmm. them and, and have a desire to be involved with them. So I think Clayton is, is on a, a good way for sure. His heart's in the right place. Um, I give him props that he's been, he's an on-road racer and a really good uh, electric on-road racer, but he's been going to off-road races. He's yep. been going to crawling events. He's just going to try to learn more about the hobbies and talk to, talk to the racers to learn more. So I think Roar is, is moving in the right direction. Absolutely. Yes, and uh, when I got when I got out and talked to people uh, at PME, 
like just regular races, manufacturers, people are excited right now. There's a there's a positive buzz and vibe right now about Raw, which I have never seen, which I haven't seen since I've been involved in this. So that's great to see. And yeah, I, I am a firm believer in federations, and I think that they should be. They we need them. I think they should be leading the charge when it comes to uh, promoting this hobby. And the manufacturers and we as racers should get behind them. So absolutely, that's what I believe. I think we need to, and I hope Clayton can can move it forward because it needs to be. We mm-hmm. we need to support we need to support our sanctioning body, and it's tough because the thing people a lot of people don't realize is when these sanctioning bodies were built and they were formed years ago. You know, it was twenty, thirty years ago when people had lots of free time. Mm-hmm. We all work eight days a week, thirty hours a day. Right now, nobody has the time to volunteer to get home from your your work in your full day and you got family and then try to put in two three hours of volunteer to do all that so it it makes it a big challenge i'm a i'm a big believer that i think in many ways these organizations could be run like a business Mm -hmm. and you know businesses have to work to succeed and i think we're all doing i mean People complain about paying $35 or $40 for a membership fee for a full year. But I think if our sanctioning body gave more yep. to us, I'll, I'll pay $50. I, I don't exactly. mind. I mean, we've we've all, anybody in this RC that complains about 35 bucks or paying $20 to go race, they've all spent $30 on a bag of blue screws yep. at their hobby shop. You know what I mean? So to put an extra 20 bucks into the, the kitty here to to be a membership and to, to help improve our, our racing. I'm, I'm all for it. And I think, uh, I think could be, and that could help because as you said, they should be the ones that help in the clubs when there's a big race, like a roar nationals or a worlds or something like that, you know, they should be the one helping the organizer and anybody that's knows anybody that's organized a world championship or anything. It's a lose money situation. You can't, mm-hmm. they, a bunch of people wanted me to organize the 12 scale worlds uh, that's coming this year. So last year I looked into it. I looked into uh, getting space in Vegas. I uh, looked at doing it up at the mall of America in Minnesota. Um, and I reached out to the the former people of roar and I says, Hey, what, what can you guys do to help me? And uh, it was pretty much, meh. we'll give yeah. you guys to help run tech. I'm like, come on, you guys need to reach out to the industry and, and help get the sponsorship to be able to do this. You know what I mean? Help prepare the stage one report, all these things to do. And I think if, if our sanctioning body does that, get somebody to help with the marketing and things like that, I think the manufacturers will start supporting more and be more involved. And I, I think it's just a snowball. that will start rolling. Mm-hmm. That'll will get better and better and better. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the manufacturers that I talked up to are excited and they want to be involved. So uh, they're reaching out as well to Clayton, which is good. And yeah, we yeah, we just have to, it, it takes time and we have to be supportive. And when they do, it's simple. When they do good things, you you praise them. When they mess up, you let them know too. That's how things get better. That's I how I look at it. All right, let's switch over to commentary because uh, this is becoming something that I feel like these big races, they give back by putting on these these great live streams, which then get more RC out into the algorithms and more chance of being, being picked up by people. But the first live stream I ever saw was actually the 2008 Worlds yeah. uh, from Charlotte. Uh, it was, you told me, it was the first uh, live RC event. And I just remember watching this and this janky, like I had my little rental bike during the Dominican Republic, had this janky internet. 
And I was just trying to just trying to watch this. And I was just sitting there, like, no matter how bad the internet was, just amazed at this production. Like we went from where we would wait six months to a year for a DVD of one of these races. Right. Or to, to come out in a car action magazine, you know. Yeah, well, come out in a car action magazine to right. actually watching this, being able to chat to people while you guys are doing it. I still go back and watch this race sometimes because I thought it was such a great event. I told you I've been a bonus lap member, I think, ever since then. Yeah. And was that your first uh time doing actual commentary for a race? For for live or in, when I just for TV and everything like that? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it was. Yeah. It was you know, the first one I had been hired to, you know, commentate just other races, but nothing on this scale where I had to do interviews and, you know, I had no TV training presence or uh, stuff like that. So it was, yeah, it was a challenge on all levels from, from the live RC challenge to, you know, to Charlie and I, uh, my co-host is Charlie Swanka, who now, who was working for Novak for, he was the face of Novak for so many years and now he works at Hobbywing. But, you know, this was the first time we worked together in a TV kind of environment. He's been a, one of my dearest friends for uh, most of his life. I mean, he started racing with his dad at, at trackside. They lived down in Lake Villa, Illinois, which is an hour and so south of Milwaukee. And uh, so we had been friends and that's what helped a lot because mm-hmm. being our first time, I knew him, he knew me. So we knew how to talk and pass things and we had stories to tell things like that, but there was no training for us. We, we just jumped both feet in the fire and, and Brandon Rody and Eric Jensen, the guys from Live RC, this was that was a massive deal. Um, you know, this World Championships in America for eight scale buggy, it's obviously the biggest, and it was just uh, an amazing challenge. We can look back now and laugh about all the adversity that we faced, but you know, the internet was was not not what it is today. <laughs> no, so the internet we had at the track was supposed to be great and everything. And it was not very good. And then we had problems and, you know, Brandon and the gang tried to figure out what to do. So they end up Eric Jensen, who is the pro- executive producer kind of things. Now he got, they booked a one-way ticket to Ohio, flew him on a plane, Ohio. They rented a satellite truck, a big van with a big satellite you know, antenna that raises off the roof, drove that. And that's how we got internet for this world championships. And there's stories upon stories. It was, it rained terribly. There was mud everywhere. You look at the videos and, and we're in ponchos and, you know, the guys doing crazy stuff to their car to get them to work. But it was, it all made for just a brilliant broadcast because it was awesome. It was, it was was great. I I go back and watch that and just like this for the first time ever, this was, just just like you guys said, like it was good. Like, I mean, at that time too, we just never seen nothing like that. And the ability to see this. And then I think I think that was just like after that, it was just I remember like it wasn't as many big races. So then we got Silver State, and then we did this, and then we did that, and then it just went to the world like more events. And I, I'm so glad that that happened because we needed it. Like it it started to bring the community together a little bit more because now we can, you know, we we just was able to communicate and watch races together. And man, that it all started right there. That's what oh, people don't understand. It all started right there for me anyway. 
for for a lot of us. I mean, I I look back and uh, when I do watch it, I I look at some of the the ways Charlie and I interacted and and how we acted on camera. I mean, we were we were as as rookies and novices as anybody grabbing a radio for the first time. We had no idea what to do and how to do interviews and things like that, but it it all came together somehow. And I think maybe the newness and the rawness of it really helped make it, as you mm-hmm. said, you know, viewers around the world could, could watch, you know, the greatest eight scale racers in the world for the first time live. Mm-hmm. And it, it really made for, for something special. And we can go back now and we can laugh about it and look at it and, and to see where it's gone now. And now where we are with you and I just did the psycho nitro blast and everything. It's just uh, amazing. The, the history that live RC has and, and where it's come from the start to to where it is now, and now and now other people are are streaming in different ways. And as you said, Nick and uh, and Matt from um, RCTV over in England, you know they they started doing their thing to cover all the races in Europe. Awesome! So the world was really covered with our coverage of RC, and it's uh, it's great to be part of the the beginning of that. Yeah, you guys started it, I think, and. It's it's good to see it's still around. I mean, I which which one? So how many worlds have you commentated on? That's a good question. Do you know? I I was thinking about that when when we were hosting last week. I I need to go back and think because I really I really don't know the the first one was two thousand three World Championships in Ohio, the um, one eighth on road. Okay, um, that was the first one where I got hired to come and just announce and it was it was funny we go back to you know we're talking about the black races and commentary and not coaching and everything i remember sander de graf was the race director he was kind of in the scoring area with me and i'm doing my thing you know pit stops are coming so i'm getting excited and blah 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 and the guy the the team manager whatever from france comes over and it was outside Scoring area in a wooden structure and everything, maybe uh, six feet off the ground. So you were pretty close. And he comes over and he starts yelling at at Saunders and everything about what I'm doing, you know, just commentating, doing my thing. And uh, I kind of look at Saunders like, am I doing something wrong? And Saunders like, nope, just keep doing what you're doing. So um, that I was him at the Worlds. Saunders. Yeah, he's yeah. he's been part of. Yeah, we're in world championships for you know decades now. That was 2003, and he had already been experienced at at doing it for for so long. So I think he he did it you know way back in the day when uh, John Grant was the IFMAR president, and then when Dallas took over, you know they was he's the Nitro guy, and you still you go to Nitro race now. I was in Thailand, you know, in November for the 200 millimeter. Was Saunders is the man. We yep. got uh, what's the next one coming up? The GT Worlds in uh, Australia later this year. I think he's listed as a race director. Sauna been doing this probably wow. longer than I've been in the hobby. So he's been <laughs> he's been part of a long time. So uh that was the first one and how many I've done I, I really need to do that because that's it's a bit of pride that I have for sure that I've been blessed to be able to do it. But I, your favorite I, one. What's your most memorable worlds? There we go. We'll do that one. Oh boy. Oh now you're putting me on the spot there partner. Um that's, All right, you can name one and, and say for what reason it was. Uh, memorable. Well, 2008 Worlds in Bangkok, Thailand, uh, when Mark Reinhardt Sushihara went at it, Mark passed him on a curbing. You know, that was that was an epic one. Um, Spencer's uh, Rivkin's race at Yatabi Arena 
being able to be at the legendary Yatabi Arena calling a world championship, maybe the most haloed venue of our world of racing. You know, it's the Le Mans, it's the D- Daytona Speedway. You know, it's, it's just such a historic place to be there and be able to call the worlds was amazing. Um, being able to travel to South Africa to, to go there to welcome South Africa and, and be at such a faraway land to be able to do it. They all hold a real special place in my heart for sure. So I it wouldn't be fair to, to say one or the other, but that, I mean, those are the ones. Then heck I went to China and I was doing it in China, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, all because of RC cars. It's just, I think about it any time. I'm like, wow, I was there. I was there all because of, because I got into the hobby. I walked into a hobby shop in 1988, found RC, bought a shop, and this is where it's taken us. And it's it's still um, just it's amazing and humbling to me for sure. Awesome. How about non-world race? Like what race do you look forward to? go into every year, which has that atmosphere that, you know, just maybe just have that little extra oomph, I would say. Oh man. All these tough questions here, you know, put me on a spot. Um, I mean, it's the, the races that I organize are obviously hold a special place in my art. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the indoor champs, which is the 12 scale race that gets held in Cleveland. It's the longest running race in our world of racing 43 years or so and uh, a few years ago um the people that were running it didn't want to do it anymore and paul Lemieux took it over from uh, motive and gravity rc and then paul asked me to be involved and kind of do the organizing and facilitating of the race and commentating so you know this is a race i raced at a long time ago that i watched and i always read in car action and stuff like that and it's the the longest, like I said, longest learning race, but 12 scale has always been a favorite of mine. Okay. So to be able to, to be part of that race is pretty, pretty special to me. And cause just cause of the, the history of it, um, the ETS races in that series and, and now the EOS races, those again, hold a special place in my heart because I'm, I'm part of the, the team that, that runs them and everything. So those are always, you know, amazing to have all the, you know, every race you end up having three, four world champions there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one's, that one's always good, but the, the ones overseas are really special too, because as I mentioned earlier, I get to meet so many people from different regions of the world, mm-hmm. speak different languages and stuff like that. Go to exotic places that I get to go. And I just named off some of, them. you know, I've been to South Africa and Thailand and China and, you know, all these places because of the hobby. So, uh, the races I get to do overseas, I think, are are special. Also, again, for those reasons. Plus, it's just you know, I think being a, an American, I can bring something a bit different to the races and and do. Um, but you know, there's so many races that I've had the pleasure of doing that that really stand out. Just amazing races, and you know, I again, I'm blessed to be able to do this. It's not a job, you know. Mm-hmm. You and I kind of talked about that last week. You know what I mean? This is this is what we do and we could be out digging a ditch and stuff like that, you know, and, and this is what we're able to do. So anyways, oh, yeah. I can do I'm pr- pretty happy to be able to do. RC is awesome. RC is awesome. It but is. you have a special it's- spot for Asia. You like it over there. You, you've, uh, you go to a lot of races over there. You, you talk very highly about the RC scene over there. 
what is it about Asia that really has appealed to you? Um, I think, oh, first of all, when I got in Navy, I went over to Asia and I spent my, I don't know, my most molding years of my life there, 18, 19, 20, 21, you know, when I was just becoming a man and everything. So I really, I fell in love with the the culture that's over there. Um, like Japan, Japan's, you know, one of my two favorite places to go to, you know, it's just, it's so orderly and disciplined and respectful, uh, respect a big thing in my life, you know, from, from the way my father raised me to being in the military, you know, respect is, is a big thing and something that, that I appreciate. And when I see it, it's, uh, it's something. So, I mean, I, I really love things over there. And then, uh, I spent time in the Philippines and I, I really love the, the culture over there and, and the, the way people live over there. It's, it's amazing. The, I kind of, I call it the beaver cleaver years, you know, when it was the fifties here and uh, the kids still respected the parents, parents still respected their parents. That's the way of life, mm -hmm. you know, over there in, in the Philippines. And, you know, they have, uh, you know, very poor people, middle-class and very rich people and things like that. But you see, very poor people living on a street in a cardboard box and in blankets and stuff like that. But they're as, as happy as can be because they have their family and they have God in their life and they're, they're at peace. They're happy. And you know, that, that gets lost a lot, I think, in, in the keeping up with the Joneses kind of mentality we have here in America. And um, I enjoy, enjoy some of the, the simple things and, and just uh, different culture. And it's so different over there than Europe. Europe obviously is, you know, um, so much of America is based from, from Europe, but when you go over mm -hmm. to Asia and it's, it's so different, you go to Singapore, or, you know, uh, Kuala Lumpur stuff like that. I've been to, I mean, it's just so different and maybe that's why I like it so much. And, um, yeah, I, as for the races, they never really had their big major races like they do in Europe or we have in America. So when I came up with the idea to do the on-road scene, uh, on-road Asian on-road championship back in, uh, 2013, I think is when we started it, you know, it was to give something special to them and in that region. And it really just taken off. And now we're going to do the Asian buggy championship, do eight scale. And, and that should just absolutely explode. So I'm really excited to see where that goes through the year. So I really, and, uh, enjoyed doing big events over there in that region. Yeah. I, I really want to get to the Philippines, Thailand, those places myself. I like, I, I know I like it over there. The Philippines seems very similar to her, very similar exchange rate, prices, yeah. way of life, I would say, to I would I so it like when you tell when people I work for my Filipino mates, they would tell me prices and stuff that they pay. I said, oh, it's just like the DR. Same and well, I was Spanish. There are Spanish, both Spanish cultures that had a native uh people. So and yeah, one day, one day I'll get over there. Yeah, but, I hope you can do it. We joked about it, you know, during the broadcast, you know, you come over and everything and yeah. it's, yeah, it's great. Everybody speaks English. You know, if you're under 70 years old, um, English is everybody's second language. So it, it makes it less of a challenge. If it's going to be your first, like real international place you go to, mm -hmm. um, it, it makes it much easier. Like when you go, you know, go to Thailand or whatever, not all the taxi drivers speak any English stuff like that. So it makes it a challenge, but yes. Philippine, everybody, so you go to seven 11 or a restaurant or whatever, everybody speaks English. So that makes it a I very think nice great, people. Very nice that? people. They're very nice people. Oh, too. Yeah, absolutely. Very nice great. people. Very nice people. Um, all right. So as an RD, I have to ask this. What format do you prefer? Do you prefer 
Uh, what is your ideal form? I guess what, yeah, let's talk about that because we have different formats. We use the ABC mains in America. Over in Europe, they use the ladder mains. Uh, which, or, or do you have a format that you would like to see implemented that you prefer? What do I like better? Um, it really depends on, I think, the, the ABC, like we have in America, simplifies things, mm-hmm. makes it easier um, for most people to understand, especially new people. Uh, the Christmas tree format, if you have enough racers to do mm-hmm. it, then it works well. But I've been to um, events where they absolutely ha- insist on doing it, and they have a, a semi, a quarter, and an eighth, maybe. And it's just, that's just not enough, in my opinion, to do it. You need to go down to the 164th or 232nd, whatever it is, you know, all the way down the the bracket. Um, The thing I don't like about the Christmas tree format is you got a guy that absolutely dominates qualifying. Hands down, dominates. Absolutely should be TQ, should be starting in the final. And then they go to the semi and something, like Elliot Boots in Argentina. Yep. Yeah, you know, yeah. just dominated. He was the man. And what did he break a servo or a servo arm or something on the first lap or yeah. yeah, something like that. You know what I mean? And he's out. So that's what I don't like about that format. But if you talk to the racers, most racers are cool with it. Right. I if I had to do a race and it was my race and I was organizing that, I would say TQ is locked into the championship final regardless. They race in the semis, but if something happens and they don't make it. They start dead last in the championship I agree with that. final. I think that's so fair. They're in the final. They can race and, and earn a pole or second. But if they break and they don't make it, then they start dead last. And I, I think that's a, a cool way. It probably doesn't, you know, the people that are very old school and like the old way of doing it, they won't agree. But I, I think that would be a. a Brandon Melton cool does way. that with his t- Brandon Melton, Southeast Razor. He did that with his. He had a series like in itself, and he did it that way. He did ladder style, and he did exactly what you're saying. And it yeah. also gives that that TQ guy a chance to get track time like the other guys with the semi. Yeah, correct. So, so. I, I I think it, it's got its ways. Uh, I'm a big I'm a big fan of lap races. Um, in the early years of trackside, um, we ran a lot of events, just local club races and things like that that were all lap race based races. And I remember when we went to the Manufacturers Cup in mm-hmm. Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and uh, Rick McCurrier and his team, they, they had this big race in front of thousands of people. And as you know, Lefty, most people don't understand our form of mm-hmm. racing. You know, they, every, anybody knows racing, they know from a green flag to a checkered flag, X amount of laps. Right. And they, they did their race like that with lap times and it as a commentator it works great can you say okay you got five laps to go three laps mm-hmm. and you can break it down like that so uh those are the the i like lap races you know rcgp did that you know for for theirs and you know that 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 is cool i like our lap races so i think each one has its own plus or minuses of yep. uh, that manufacturer's that cup was with. awesome i oh. we have not seen anything to that level since then unfortunately no not at all that was I'll go on and say in the greatest eight scale buggy race, you know, probably ever. Yeah. Simple track, very few jumps, big audience. Yeah. It was an amazing event. You know, Rick McCurry and his crew just did a fantastic job to, they told everybody in this little town, this was a, this weekend on Saturday or whatever, Sunday, whatever day we had made, this is the day you want to go. 
and yes. they sold it and it was just amazing. It had such a motocross feel because they had uh, hay bales and scaffolding and the pros and they worked with the local Honda dealer. They gave away a four wheel drive. The monster truck guys were racing for a pit bike and tree. What did tree win buggy? I think he won a 250 or 450 and Mayfield they won even, a four wheel drive. I think even if you won like sportsman, you got a one year sponsorship from like TLR yes. or whatever. So exactly. That's exactly right. You're right. Yeah. I forgot about that. They right. So it was, it was, it was next level and, and you know, a race that will always be talked about. At least anybody asked me about one of the greatest races. I think about that's what, the manufacturer's cup was next you level. And I, big. You know? Oh, it was. And, and I went there as a racer, uh, right. my daughter, oh, really? Sarah Ann and I, we went there as a racer and Jimmy Babcock was the announcer. And again, this was a big outdoor uh, rodeo area and everything. And Jimmy was running the race. And after the second day or whatever, he kind of lost his voice. And, uh, you have and to go up and have to go up and do it. The guys came over to me like, Hey, Scotty, buddy, pal. Hey, how you doing? Hey, can you help us out? And of course I'm going to help out. So, um, a bunch of the, the gang kind of took over from my, my pit dad duties and took care of Sarah Ann. And I ended up, you know, commentating everything. And, and you asked me about memorable races and, and I didn't bring this up, but, but this race was one of them because mm -hmm. they ran monster truck. Steve Slade, Mike Patel, that was in the T Max stage, yes, you know, I remember those stuff. guys. And they had a monster truck class. And it's probably one of my proudest mornings. As corny and goofy as this sounds, these people that were 3,000 people spectating, watching this race, monster trucks, not the most nimble of, you know, vehicles and everything. But these people were hooting and hollering. I had them cheering for these guys that were having an epic race with monster trucks. And I'll never forget that. These people had no idea what they were watching. They didn't know who these guys were, but they were cheering over right. this big 40-foot tabletop when Mike and Steve were, were jumping and everything, and they were going crazy for Monster Truck. And that, that's just why it makes that race so iconic and so amazing. Yeah, I had Rick on her a few years ago, and he, he told me all about it. And he said that they actually went like they were going around giving out tickets to people like saying hey you know these tickets really cost this much but here you go I, or they went on the radio station and like gave away giveaways so they kind of treated this bigger than what it was so whenever anybody tells me that rc is not a spectator sport i have to agree how we do it right now it isn't but it can be if you put oh, yeah. the effort you put the passion and you use the imagination and you treat it like it's big and that's exactly what they're not the only issue is it's expensive and it, it takes a lot of time and it's hard to do everything like that. Correct. It, it really is. And, and they, they found a good formula to do it. They made the mains just long enough where they weren't boring. It wasn't an hour long main. So there was constant action going. And it, um, like you said, they went out and sold it to the, the town in the world there that, you know, this is what you need to do. And it paid dividends because it was, you know, it'll go down as one of the greatest eight scale races ever. Yes, I agree. I agree. And, I, and if you guys want to look at look for anything, just look up Manufacturer's Cup. It's an old video. And just go look at the amount of people at this race. And you yeah, will be great. like, what was that? 2008? 2008, 2009. Yeah. Um, all right. Good segue. You brought it up. RCGP. So you were a part of the original 
uh, group of people. I thought they they got a very good media team going together there with you being involved, especially like the American side. Uh, you left after the first event. We, you know, we talked about it on the podcast. When I saw you the first, when I saw you at Masters, you, me and I had a talk about it. Um, I guess I kind of want to get your idea, your thoughts on when you first heard about it, because um, we still don't really have this yet either in RC. I desperately think we need a series for the top guys and all that stuff. So tell us a little bit about that when you heard about RCGP and your thoughts on it when you heard it. Do you And do you still, you can talk about your departure as well. And do you still think that we need this type of series in RC? Because I still think we need it. Or something similar. I, I knew you were going to bring this up. You know that. Yeah, I have to because I want to get your side of the story, you know? Yeah, there's two sides to every story, right? You know, it takes two people to dance and things like that. So when um, David and JQ and the guy pitched the idea to me, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, great idea. I really, uh, I think it was uh, at the core where it started and everything was was fantastic. I think it would uh, a good way to kind of do something different and really go on a kind of global scale and things like that. And, um, you know, I was, I was honored. They asked me to, to kind of be part of it. And, uh, they, they hired me to, to be the, the track announcer there. And we had the first race, it was in the Philippines and it was, uh, it was fantastic. Just, uh, a great, great event. It had a really good vibe. Obviously just, you had so many big names there and everything. It just, it just really worked and was for uh, a really a great experience. race. It was, it was a great race and things like that. Um, on the ground there, though, be kind of behind the scenes. There, there was a lot of struggles and things like that, that, that they had trying to uh, logistics and facilitate everything. And it made for a, made for a very big challenge, um, you know, during, during the event itself uh, in front of the cameras, it was great, but you know, behind the cameras, there was, there was a lot of challenge, but it was still a great race. And, and a lot of people had a good time and, um, they, when they, they had hired me, you know, they said, Scotty, we'll, we'll do this. We'll hire you for the four races and things like mm-hmm. that. And as I always do, when I, I commit to something, it's not a, it's not a money up front. kind of, I'm old school, you know, kind of handshake. We had a contract and stuff like that. And, um, so then I had those four weekends booked and as it was before the year is kind of as much like it is right now, I get lots of requests to do events and stuff like that. And I had some clashes that you know, events wanted to hire me, but they were on RCGP weekends. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I'm committed to RCGP, so I can't do it. And then after we had the first race in the Philippines and I was, uh, I don't remember how long it was afterwards. I was over in Europe during a race and I got an email from them saying, Scotty, unfortunately, I'm sorry. We can't use, we can't use you, you know, at the next race. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. I was, yeah. I was pretty shocked and I felt really, I felt really bad. Like, all right, this is, this is not right. You know, I shouldn't mm-hmm. do it. And I, I'm not a person that has conflict or stuff like that. I, there's too much drama in the world and stuff like that, but I felt, all right, this was, this was really, really unfortunate. It hurt me financially because I've turned away gigs throughout the rest of the years on those RC, RCGP dates. Yes. And unfortunately I, I didn't know what to do. And, and I was like, wow, this is really bad. And they used, they used me, my likeness, my name, my reputation in their pitching of the RCGP to all the manufacturers, you know, and you know, they, they asked for a lot of money from the manufacturers to produce this event. 
and they use my, like I said, my name and reputation that I'm in, I believe in this and I'm part of it and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, that's kind of a, a disservice to the companies that, that put all this money in, you know, to do it. And now I'm not going to be involved in it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I made it better. It's just, it's, it's what they sold to the industry. Right. And I was like, no, that's, that's not right. So I was, uh, I was with, uh, my friend Oshin from Red RC and, uh, at this, I think it was the ETS we were at. I was like, man, this is what's going on. And like, you know, I need to, I felt I need to say something to the industry. And so I, I wrote up a little, little blurb that we posted online. And unfortunately, like all things do, there's some confrontation and disagreements that my side of the story was different from theirs. And it's, it came down to just a simple, honest, honestly, if they would have reworded the email differently, mm-hmm. none of it would have went wrong because right. they didn't, they didn't say, Scotty, we can't use you in Austria because entries are so low. We just, we just right. don't have the budget to do it. It was right. They low. just said, they just said, Scotty, we just, we just can't use you. And they didn't say, you know, that's just say we just, we just can't use you. Right. And I understand. I, and I, I understand. Again, I read it and I was like, oh my good. So it's unfortunate if they would just would have said, Hey, we can't use this one, but hopefully the next two are going to work out. That'd have been awesome. But yes, it's unfortunate. And uh, I also think that was great. I also think these type of conversations are best maybe held over a phone call too. Oh yeah, well. absolutely. So, for sure. It would have been email, you know, you know, yeah. like when you break up with somebody or whatever you say in a text, you know, you know, yeah. business dealings need to be, be made on phone call, not by email. So it's unfortunately cause, um, you know, it just caught a, made a big angst and more, more negative spotlight at RCGP than it needed. Um, I would you know, agree and, there. It definitely, and uh, it kind of took away because there, I think it was like the only American involved at that time. And, right. Um, it took away from that. And I did, it, it, it was not good publicity for RCGP. No. And I understood, like when, I, when we talked at, at Masters, I understood what you meant. I said, I understand. Like, remember when I said, I, I get it. Yeah. And, uh, but I definitely think that could have been handled with a phone call and all of this could have been avoided. But that's, that's just how it goes sometimes. And unfortunately, it is. And, yeah. you know, Dave, David Isherwood, the guy who's kind of the, the, the man kind of behind the scenes that does it, you know, great guy and everything. And we work together great. Um, JQ is JQ. You know yep. what I mean? There's good and bad sides. I always tell everybody. Crumbles like oh. a Rico biscuit. <laughs> you love that when I said I that it, there. I love it. I love it. But I, I tell everybody, you know, JQ and I don't get along. Um, that's no secret. I have the utmost respect for him from the standpoint of he had a dream of starting his own car company. Mm-hmm. He did it. He made it happen. I have nothing but respect for that. Absolutely. The way he handles it and his communication and kind of the way he disrespects people and stuff like that. That's what I personally have a problem with. And we, we had some, some problems at the, in the Philippines and things like that. So, um, that's, that's my problem I had with him. But, but like I said, I respect what he did with, you know, his car company and everything and making it happen. And it's unfortunate things just didn't pan out. Like no, you're not the only one that doesn't get along with JQ. Well, yeah. right, exactly. <laughs> but that's, that's it. That's him. You know, if we were all the same in the world, it'd be a boring place. So, yes. you know, he, he he has his way that he handles and and he talks to people and and runs runs his business and stuff like that. And that's uh, you know that's his prerogative and everything like that. But uh, yeah, it was unfortunate that RCGP we just couldn't couldn't continue with it, and I, I yeah. wasn't part of it anymore. So that that's the unfortunate side. But uh, the concept and everything was good. I think uh, 
you know, and had some had some great races, but unfortunately, it uh, wasn't able to. to Do keep. you think we'll see something like this? Though, I mean, it's something a lot of the pro drivers call for. We we heard this over and over. Do you think we'll see? Because it just hasn't really happened, and. I know Joey is trying to. I know Joey tried to do it with. Is trying to do it with the, and Brandon are trying to do it with the, uh, the mall, the right. M, M, the M is M A O M. No M O A. Yeah, the, the Visions Race at yes. Mid America Outdoors. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the the event we do there at J Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean that's that's awesome because it's showcasing it. It was on TV, and that's mm-hmm. amazing. We have talked about it for decades trying to get RC on TV, and it finally did. And I really got the the felt the 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 weight of this i got a text from a good friend ryan was in somewhere in nevada not vegas he was somewhere in nevada in one of the the other kind of tourist towns there in in vegas i think maybe uh laughlin something like that and he was in a sports bar kind of bar having lunch or whatever and all of a sudden he sees up on the tv and he sees me on the tv and it's it's rc race on tv and that's when I realized how really awesome it was that there's people here in the middle of nowhere watching RC on TV. And that was really cool. And and a goal that we always wanted to be able to get this in front of the masses and stuff like that. And I think the Mav TV and Live RC did a really good job with the production and everything mm-hmm. like that. They brought in a, a legendary commentator, uh, Ken Stout. He was uh, CBS, NBC. He's done every form of motorsports and everything. And to be able to work with him and uh, I was, was pretty awesome. So um, I think it can be, um, you know, How about try the to get series side of things. Do you think we'll ever see a series with these top pros? It would be, it would be wonderful, but the problem is right now, it's so expensive to send these teams around and there's so many commitments they already have. I mean, you could fill a legal pad with the amount of major eight scale buggy races around the world. If you look at just the ones in America, let alone, you know, the big ones that they have in Europe and things like that. So to, to have a, a true world series would be awesome to have a couple of races in Asia, a couple of races in America, a couple of races in Europe, you know, and really to have a, a true, you know, mm-hmm. title like that. But it's the cost oh. now to it's so it's so challenging. So I think there's a way you can use some of the existing races, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, make a virtual series. What's that? Like we can, like we could have a virtual American series, no problem. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there's enough for sure, enough yeah. majors to be you able to do it. I think there's enough big ones in Europe you could do too with all the yeah. championships that's going. So I, I think it's possible, and um, but it's just I just wish we I'm, could see more of the top guys race each other. It's unfortunate we get to only see them probably twice every two years. Well, you get to see them at DNC because they they seem to come to DNC. Right. It, it's like it, it looks like it's going to be a a big contingent of international drivers going to Silver State. All right. But yes, sir. I think we kind of missing that race over in Europe that Neo filled that void where Americans went to because it was not a permanent track. It was a popular race where a lot of people went to. And I, I would love to see another race like that come back in Europe. So, I I mean, I just want to see the best of the best race each other. I mean, we can't get no better than that, right? At Worlds, we see the best. Right. So, uh, hopefully it, it happens and we see what's, you know, it, it just, we have to agree. Like, hey, someone make a race over in, in the UK that we're all going to, or in Europe, which is fair, which everybody thinks fair, and we all go to it. It'd, know, be, it'd be awesome to be able to do it because, as you say, they only... The best of the best only 
not everybody gets there. You know, Angaro right. hasn't been to the DNC here in a while. You know, yeah. and there's a few other guys that obviously budget related because it's it's such an expense and stuff like that. And you know, we'd love to have the four or five top Americans go to some of the big European, like you said, the Neil Buggy. Man, that race was was epic on so many levels, mm-hmm. and it was such a unique race because it was a temporary facility and and just so different and everything. And that's you need to find that to to again. again. I would agree. I would agree 100. Yeah. percent All right. Um, we're gonna start wrapping this up pretty much, but I want to leave this on you because it's something that I, it's dear and dear to my heart with kids. And I think that RC is for everybody. I think it's awesome. I think it teaches people skills because you interact with people. It teaches mechanical skills. It teaches problem solving skills. It teaches you how to deal with a lot of different things. Uh, But we need to encourage more young racers. We need to encourage more people, period, in general. But I know, you know, after watching you with LW4 and you being excited about, you know, your little bump and all these young guys that are coming yeah. up, which is great. Uh, you also are from the Midwest, which seems to be creating a plethora of young talent. Uh, we see a lot of young talent coming out of Europe as well. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the things that you think we should be doing as an industry to encourage these young racers, not only to get them into RC, but others that maybe not knowing what we're doing, getting them into RC racing. I think, yes. I mean, I'm, I'm a big, you know, the kids are everything. It depends on what part of life, you know, but in our little crazy world of RC, it's absolutely great to see these talented, talented kids. And I've been blessed to be in this hobby for a long, long time. And, um, you know, uh, I still call him a kid Dakota. You know, I met him, Nancy and Doug, his folks, in uh, Washington State, Dakota was seven years old, something like that, when he uh, was racing electric, and he was the that's where he got the phenom because he was this little kid was winning everything, right. and uh, his his mom took a picture of Dakota and I like every year as as he grew, and you know we have great memories, but it's the kids that that make it so so amazing, um, you know nowadays with the school programs, there's those STEM programs, I know. Um, I've been commuting with a couple of clubs, one really good one up in Canada that they, they kind of, it's like an after school club. It's, you know, it's, there's, you know, wood shop and there's auto mechanics and stuff like that. And then they have RC club and the, the teacher that's involved in it really, really is, is motivating these kids to do it. And I think it's, it's things like that, that, that help, um, having it part of school, mm-hmm. I think gives another edge to it that, uh, necessarily the parents don't have to support a hundred percent at the, at the onslaught at the beginning of it. Right. You know, if they do it in school, they stay after school for an hour, you know, and in, in this program and things like that, that's a, that's a good way to do it. Because as I mentioned, you know, everybody works so long right now and, and for kids to jump into a new hobby that they already have 10 hobbies, you know, it's hard for the parents, but if they can get involved in school and do it, it's really cool. Um, you know, I've done a lot of races in China and, uh, the, the schools in China there, they have like an hour twice a week or whatever, you know, they go from math, they go to, to RC where they build little, you know, small little hobby kits and things like that. And that's it's finding a way to incorporate it, not necessarily in the curriculum of school, but like in an after hours kind of thing is I think a great way to do it. And there's a lot of those STEM programs that do that. And I, I mentioned earlier when we were talking about BRCA, how they have a little track that they set up when they go out to, 
to different events where people can try it and things like that. So hopefully if, uh, if Roar continues on a positive way and, and Clayton and his team can do more things, maybe there's a way to, to start a little program for sure. The manufacturers would embrace it. There's no question. Mm-hmm. If you go to associate and and traction, all these companies, you know, Hey, we want to get this, you know, program going for kids, things like that. For sure. They would, they would embrace it to try to do it. So um, I hope that's a way that it can be done through the schools or something like that. Yeah. There's so many different ways. Schools. My buddy is a teacher back home in Bermuda and he had it. Uh, he had like an after school program. He's an RC enthusiast. And that does, it takes a big load off because that's where the, the kids will learn the basics. And then when they go to the track, they'll be a little bit more prepared. They won't, you know, yes, obviously we want fathers and mothers and parents and sure. mentors with these guys. But the goal is to also make them so, like where they can do it on their own as well when they become of age. So I definitely think that's a good thing. I mean, I think we also need to encourage the youth that are in the industry at the same time. We lose too many at, you know, when they get 16, you know, they got a license, they get, you know, whatever. And we need to figure (laughs) out a way how to, to keep them engaged. And I think as an industry, we don't, we, we focus on the 40 plus guys. We know they got money, right? But I, (laughs) I would love to see, I keep saying this. I would love to see some focus on the youth and maybe that has to come from raw too, where they have a youth under 16 or whatever. This is your under 16, such and such champion. You're under 13, such and such champion. I don't know. I don't know how we do it, but we need to encourage them. And You're right. And it's something that you're asking me about. I'm doing races in, in different countries and stuff like that. You know, in America, unfortunately, the whole goal is to get sponsored. Mm-hmm. So this eight-year-old kid who's, you know, the LTH, the local track hero at his local track, and, you know, he's going to, get a sponsorship and stuff like that. And that's right now, that's the goal to all these young kids. And you, you go over to Europe. Now that I've done a couple of races in Europe, that's not even, it's not even on a radar. The, the, the whole goal over there in Europe is, you know, they just want to get better and better. And there's, there's for off-road, there's two classes, two wheel drive and four wheel drive. That's it. Right. So the goal over there is that they have a ranking system in the BRCA, um, their licenses. So the ultimate goal is to get to a F1 license. Yep. So they they move up the ranks, they, they get better and better. The ultimate goal right now over there is to j- get this license to to be at the best to to race the Neil Craig's and the Lee Martins and the Hall brothers, you know, that's to to get into that F1 category and that's where their focus is. They're not worried about getting a a servo sponsorship or a body clip sponsorship stuff like that. They just want to be the best. We're here in America, they kids try to do better. But the ultimate goal, oh, I want to get sponsored and things like that. So yeah, well, they want a better deal. It, correct. It's that, right. That is a big, big difference we have from here to mm-hmm. there. And I think that, that that does not bode well for helping get more and more youth in the industry because, you know, kids are kids. You know, if they see little Tommy over there, you know, he's gay, he's wearing a shirt with all these companies and, you know, bragging because, you know, oh, I get a 20 off deal or blah, blah, blah. You know, that can be very discouraging. I mean, let's be honest. The world is different right now yep, you know, yep. than, it, than it was 15, 20 years ago when we all grew up. So it, it adds more challenge for sure, racing in America compared to overseas. Yeah. When I was over there uh, last year for RCGP, I, when I talked to the young guys there, they were like, I just want to make a eighth. I want to make a nationals final, <laughs> you know, or like uh, my go, my first goal is making a national semifinal. Then I want to go, and that's realistic. And I feel right. also that they 
they race less classes, so they're able to focus on on one and get better. Like those those Hall brothers, they race two wheel drive. They probably touch four wheel drive once in a while when they go to a nationals, but on a a regular weekend, they probably just run two wheel drive. And then they have the guys that run eight scale, and they just run eight scale. So obviously, it's it's cheaper because it's it's very expensive to run. Uh, Europe's expensive as well, so right, sure yeah. that's a big feature as well. But yeah, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. We have a fourteen year old. European champion, right? Exactly. We've seen well, a sixteen-year yeah. European champion, and right? Yeah, exactly. They're young the last guns. Over we there, had a sixteen-year-old so. champion in 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 America, I believe, was Rifkin, and he won his first nationals. Sure. So, you know, and we haven't really repeated that yet, and it should be. It should. We should have these young guys. I would, you know, I'm all about it. That's why I'm excited about the guys like Fullers, the Fullers, and Brandon yeah. Rose, and all those guys who had great runs and the little bumps that are coming up. Yeah, and we have yeah. the. I see the talent in America. I see it. We just gotta encourage it more. I think that kid's amazing. A little bump, man. What is he? Eleven years old now, or whatever. 12, no, I mean, he's twelve. He's he twelve, 12 now. Yeah. I mean, he's just. Yeah, you talk about a kid that's gonna go to the moon with his talent. I mean, he'd be able to. He's racing head to head, you know, with the world champions now at, yes. at his age. Very encouraging. Well, we need more. We need like. Yeah, we absolutely. We, we surely do more. Absolutely. Cool. All right, um, uh, Scotty. I really enjoyed this conversation. I know we could go on and talk more. Maybe we'll have to get you on her and we just talk old stories because I think, you know, we we kind of grew up. Well, you was a part of an era that I watched on the magazines and all that stuff. So when you say races and stuff, I remember them from coming up. So I think we would just talk about races all day long. I'm okay I wanna, with that. <laughs> I uh, I want to thank you for your time. Want to thank you for uh, help you know have, accepting me at the in the commentary it was truly uh, an honor for me to call a race with you. Like I said, now I've worked with two of the best in the industry, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully, you get to do it again and keep up the good work. What's next? You have you have uh, you have Philippines Masters, and I believe you have a ra- you have Silver State, I believe. Yeah, you're gonna do a race in. Uh, isn't don't you have the a race at Robin Hood coming up as well. Yes, that's the, yeah. So those are my next three uh, big things. You got Philippine Masters, Silver State, and then uh, I get to go back to the UK to Robin Hood, uh, which is an epic racetrack. I got to uh, go over there and just just walk on it and check it out when I was over there doing our EOS series, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful track. And racing on AstroTurf for ten scale buggy two wheel is a blast. I got to do yep. it in Finland when I went to a race, and it just. I saw it like, all right, we, we got to have a race here. Um, just kind of do my own thing and, and our style and, and the people in the UK kind of are embracing, you know, good, uh, good. the way, the way we run races and everything. So I'm excited to be uh, a Memorial day weekend here in the States is the weekend over there and it's a holiday. So we're doing it on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, cause Monday is a holiday over there. So nobody has to take off from work. So I'm, uh, I'm really excited to host a race over there at Robin Hood. It's going to be a blast. Right. So are they going to have, busy, have busy coverage time for it? Coming. Um, yes, we're going to have the, the BRCA is going to be there. They're going to okay. bring in their, their media guys and everything. So we're going to cover it. I'm going to bring, uh, my media team and, uh, yeah, we're going to make it a, a big deal. And hopefully it's a annual event that we get to do every year. Cause it's just, a an awesome track. The guys there, James and, and all the guys are just awesome. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to go there. Sweet, man. Well, thank you for all that you do continue to be awesome. And we look forward to following you at your events and, it's good because we need more video. We need, you know, any event that has any type of coverage, I'm sure, because we need as much RC out there in that algorithm as possible. 
Exactly. The more the more we get there, the better. And uh, and congratulations to you and uh, your podcast is uh, something that I think uh, most people in the eight scale world um, enjoy and and thoroughly look forward to you. And you drop your new your new shows and and people enjoy it very much. And your insight and your passion it comes across in your shows and stuff like that. And and working with you this last week it was it was great when they uh, they called me and said, "Hey, got an idea? You know, what do you think about bringing Lefty in?" I'm like, "Absolutely, do it." Because I mean, it's great. There's, you have a passion for eight skill that's you know unquestionable. So I think it worked really well, and I thought we did a, a great job together. So I look forward to a chance to do it again and uh, keep up the good work you're doing on your show. It's wonderful. Sweet man, I appreciate that. Thank you for the kind words and your time, and uh, safe travels. And we <laughs> will look forward to following your adventures in uh, uh, in your travels, man. It's cr- like I think one of the best things you can do is travel for work. Yeah, absolutely. The, the world's an amazing place. And, you know, especially in America, you know, they're, they have, what do they say? 20% of the population has a passport. You know, it's, it's crazy. So yeah, I'm uh, blessed to be able to do this. You know, all of us, they get to travel because of RC is just something that's really special. And then I chair. So uh, look forward to, to sharing it with everyone. All right. Well, thank you. And uh, we look forward to all your coverage. Um, you have a good one. All right. You too. Thanks for asking me to be on the show. Keep up the great work. Thank you for your time, sir. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Scotty, for your time. It was a pleasure having you on the podcast. So many great stories. I hope I get to work with you some more in the commentary booth and hear some more of your stories. Really a great asset to RC. With that said, we're going to go on to our little little hot lap section with Max and our conclusion here of of episode 231. And I want to thank Clinic RC and Racetech Engines for their support. Uh, Tony and uh, Vicky have been very good supporters of the No Name RC podcast and myself. If you guys are interested in any products from Clinic RC or their new uh, their new race tech engines, hit them up, uh, hit them up on Facebook and check it out and uh, shoot them a message. They'll be happy to answer you. That's right, everybody. Hit up clinicrc.com to check out the new race tech engines. Max, we're going to do a couple hot laps, then we're going to conclusion. My first question for you, Max, is, so hot laps, I'm going to say a word or phrase, and you have to answer in three words or less. So my first question for you, Max, is, I saw this was released. We did not talk about it, but the new Reds backplate. Um... I don't know. Okay, so that's cool. an answer. I don't know. <laughs> cool idea. I'll okay. just go with that. All righty then. Um, we have the Philippine Masters coming up. Do you think JQ will have a good time there, or will he get in trouble? Is he going? I believe he is. Um, definitely in trouble. <laughs> okay. And our third question, we have Silver State coming up here. We have quite a few international drivers making their presence, Killix being one of them. What do you think the Killix will do at Silver State? Mm, 
kick some ass. Okay, very good, very good. That's in three words. Yeah, you okay. got it. That's that's a good one. That's a good one. I like that. Okay, okay. my turn. Your turn. I'm gonna go with. Um, well, this is gonna be my this. I, you have to answer this one, okay? okay. Who is gonna finish first of these two at IBC? Rana Falk or Ronaldo? Rana Falk. Okay, confident, confident. I hope I um, jinx him. <laughs> um, oh, I need to figure out. You you are much better at figuring these questions out. Uh, <laughs> I I I'm, I need to. Okay. Um, I sprung this one on you. See, I sprung yeah. it on you. You're, 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 I, you, say, I, I bet say you. something that's on the top of your mind and then I have to answer it. It could be a word. Um, it could be a word. Um, Mayfield at Techno. We'll win races. Okay, that's a good one. Um, 10 scale worlds, uh, top three. Oof. Um, Fend, Fend, Rifkin, Mayfield. Wow, that's that's American biased. <laughs> that's like all American politics. I couldn't think of one. Um, I could. I was thinking, well, who could I pick? I could throw. Um, okay, you know what? What about Ongaro? I, I mean, Ongaro. What about uh, uh, Orlowski? I don't think I wanted to pick. Though. I wanted to pick Orlowski, right? But yeah. I, I just. At hobby action, with those guys, with American on that type of track, it's hard. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be difficult. It's hard. So I need to be right. well. I need to be better with the questions. I need to we do. We'll we'll plan it for the next one. I, yeah. I I think this is gonna become a segment again, and I'll probably do it with either you, JQ co-host, or the guests that I have on there. So I'm just talking to a company now about this. So it'll be the hot lap section, yeah. and I like it. I like it, and I like to do it where I don't prepare people, so they have to. Be uh, you know, as honest as can be. All right, Max, that wraps up uh this week's podcast. It's another long one. Thank you, Max. Uh, thank you to Scotty for his time. Thank you to everybody who sent us questions. Uh, as of now, as we're recording this, it's Thursday at three o'clock in EST, and I think the 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 raffle waffle to get me to the states next week is one hundred and sixty people. It's forty spots wow. left, so. Yeah. Wasn't it wasn't it like a hundred when we started? Yes. So it's got sixty people since we started recording. No, sorry, it went to it went to a hundred when we was recording, and then we started, and it's now one hundred and sixty. Thank you to Lance and Danny for doing that, and everybody that's putting in, you know, trying to win that car. You know, it it helps us helps me get to these races, and I look forward to seeing everybody at the uh, Florida RC Championships next week, or the Florida Carpet Championships, Carpet Match, sorry, and then of course we'll be up at the North Georgia shootout, which is under a roof. So I'll see everybody there, no matter rain, blow or shine. So I'm looking forward to that. And of course, Portugal coming up. So lots of stuff. And of course, we got Silver State. We got Philippine Masters. We got lots of racing going on. Uh, I would should, we do, should we do like... Um, one of, we used to do, when we had the NNRC Cup, we used to do those like weekends where we would just like commentate after. Right, but thing. I don't know when you're, I'll be... You're traveling. Yeah, you're traveling so much. It's going to be hard. But you know what? Um, so what I think we should do, and if we could, is now, because the, the American Top 25 rankings are starting to take off a bit, 
we should do a European top 25 rankings. The problem is we need to yeah. figure out which races they're going to be. Yeah. We'll, I think we have we'll to start them from, from Montpellier, like from this year, and just go. Montpellier. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, we not, have not Montpellier. Um, yeah, we'll figure it out. Okay. Anyway. Are you coming to... Yeah, you need to come to one European race this year. I would I would love to come to the Euros this year. Yeah. At Radovan again. I, I would love to come to that. I've never been to a Euros. This is my first pure European race that I'm going to, like with big names. So I'm looking forward to that. But I'd love to go to Radovan for the Euros. So we'll see what happens. We'll see anything's possible, man. You know, opportunity comes, you gotta take it. So I'm I'm truly yeah. blessed and I'm fortunate. And honestly, none of that is possible for all you people out there. That support the NNRC, the NNRC squad. Honestly, without everybody's help, we can't do this. It's been four years of awesome podcasts going in our fifth year. And we thank you all for all the support. Uh, this traveling and all this, it comes from you guys' support and watching what we do. And um, yeah, we, we, we love what we do here at the NNRC. And we love you guys out there. So thank you to everybody, the NNRC squad around the world, all the patrons of the NNRC, all the YouTube members, everybody that I talk to that sends me a message, every single person that bought a waffle ticket from, from Lance for, for this, thank you. Thank you very much. And to everybody at PNB that I met, and I, you know, thank you. Thank you. And I, if you're going to be at North, any of these races, come up, say hello to me. If you see me, I may not recognize you from Facebook. Just come up, say, hey, Lefty or Keenan, my name is such and such, you know, and I'll remember you. You know what I mean? Uh, I like to talk to people. Max, you enjoy the rest of your schooling here. Um, I think we'll be back next week. We're going to do a short pod next week and um, get you on uh, because if uh, I'll be flying out next Thursday, it looks like. So thank you for your time. Thank you to all the awesome sponsors. Remember, you can find links for these in the written description of this podcast. Helps us out. They are Invisible Speed, High Tech RC, Sun Pedal USA, Sidewinder Fuel, Beach RC, Techno RC, Clinic RC, Ignite Design RC, Racecraft USA. Uh, shout out to Carl RC. We got a link for them. Shout out to my friends, Danny Pass at WRCE, Connie Svensson at House of RC, uh, RCGP, and our NNRC drivers. They are the Viking, uh, Jared Tebow, Robert Badier, and uh, good luck to our driver, Alexander Agberg, at the 12 scale Euros this year. This, this weekend, I was just talking to him. So hopefully he can. Get himself another European championship. Uh, from Lefty, your co-host, Nitro is the glory, E-Buggy pays the bills. Max, you are never around. You never have a camera for these anymore, so you can't yeah. salute. You know, you're doing a virtual salute. I need to, I need to buy time. one of those, um, one of those yes, things you that you just plug in. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. With that said, Nitro is the glory, E-Buggy pays the bills. If you ain't grinding, you slide it. Lefty and Max, we're out. See you guys next Goodbye. week. Thank you.